What's up, guys? Welcome back to Kind of Funny's Christopher Nolan in Review. That's right. We are ranking and reviewing every movie directed by Christopher Nolan. As always, I'm Tim Geddes, joined by Andy Cortez. Good morning, Tim. Kevin Koala. Hey, man. Nick Scarpino. What are you laughing at here, Kev? What 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 is what is the joke that's rattling around in your in your noggin today? I mean, what do you think it is, Nick? Like, do you think it could be Greg is- Miller? <laughs> But we've been Murph! staring at Greg. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know we've been staring at him for a while, but like, no, you just... gotta look at me, Murph. Why would you look at me, brother? <laughs> what? Now, okay, Nick, he was just sitting there waiting to be introduced, oh, and you know that like he was fighting block. everything possible to you not like. Laugh. I had about sixteen boosts today. Oh, you know what God. I'm saying? Oh yeah, Murph, we're gonna come out here Friday night. We're gonna get this match done, brother. <laughs> I want you in a street fight, Murph. You, me, Triple H, all of Degeneration X. Right, Nick. Have right. you had the unfortunate uh, chance to to meet Greg on Busan? Yes, uh, Greg and I did one podcast on Busan last week, and it was transformative. And I, as a caffeine addict, recognized the symptoms, and we're just waiting for him to hit rock bottom, which may or may not be happening as we speak. <laughs> Impossible. There's no bottom with Busan. There's only top. I like how people are calling you the train to Busan now, which, if you're not familiar at all with that, is on my Netflix queue. I haven't watched it yet, but it's a zombie movie. It's true. It's really it's good. It's supposed to be good. They have, an anime, they have an anime prequel on Shutter right now. I'm going to watch Do it. Do they really? Yeah. Right. I'm waiting for Jen to just kick your ass out, like, at any moment. I'm waiting for Jen to show up <laughs> in another <laughs> space outfit. me, yell at me. No? So far, I'm okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Marv. this is in review. Uh, every Tuesday and Friday right here, live on twitch.tv slash games. We get together to review and rank movies. On Tuesdays, we're doing Christopher Nolan, and on Fridays, we're doing... Uh, Studio Ghibli Miyazaki in review. We're doing Porco Rosso this Friday, so strap in for that. For a movie that I have no idea what the fuck it's about, but it it's, has to it's, be good. Wait, wait, wait. I read the, I read the two the little blurb paragraph, and it said that an ace pilot gets turned into has his head gets turned into a pig head, and it's supposed to be symbolic of his like not wanting to be a part of the war. And I was like, wow, Porco we're, Rosso, we're baby. But we're not talking about that today. Today. We are talking about Interstellar. Thanks to you guys. You can watch the show later on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny or podcast services. Just search for Kind of Funny Reviews and we'll be right there for you. Uh, but if you want the show ad-free, you can go to Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny, just like our Patreon producer, Mohammed Mohammed did. Thank you very much for keeping this show going. Tim, uh, Interstellar, what's Tim, up? When you yell, the, the mic doesn't sound good anymore. Yeah, you're a little echoey to me. Because you're you yelling mic You weren't yelling when we did tests. I don't but think I'm yelling. Well, I'm using, I mean, I'm hey, using my speaking voice. I can move it closer to me. Give it a little closer to you. Give it a little closer. I'm gonna speak how I normally speak. Well, I mean, you were yelling a second ago. People have video recordings of it. You and oh, your Greg. beautiful blonde Greg, you're gonna be out in the atmosphere, Greg. What are you doing? 2014. <laughs> don't breathe pneumonia. Don't breathe pneumonia. Why are you wearing dual headphones, Greg? Because I just switched them, Nick. Use your eyeballs. Maybe don't pick on Nick, or I'm just don't pick on Tim. And actually you know pay attention to what I'm doing for a change. I'm you know what I mean? Watch it. I'm only going to watch your your uh, shot from now on. Well, then. Bring it on, daddy. Oh, daddy. <laughs> no, I'm baby. You're daddy. Oh, remember? baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really like, like how your, oh, like your microphone's hanging out in space like that, bobbing up and down. <laughs> oh, God. There's so Zero many. There are, there are so, so before, many threads here. So many Before threads we here. started this, when Greg first showed us this, there was a lot of questions that weren't answered. Like, why is it so dirty? It's it's a theme for like the video that he made. 
Are you not familiar with like, yeah, yeah, like I'm sorry, I won't be like you, Tim, all right, and just buy a dime store costume and walk in and say I'm fucking Leonardo, all right? I'm going to make it look movie accurate. I'm going to come in here and people are going to be like, did that man just murder Matthew McConaughey and take his outfit? You know what I mean? Is that Matt Damon there? My eyes aren't as good as they are. Why'd you say Leonardo? Andy Andy nailed it, though, because you look less like an astronaut, more like a motocross guy that didn't win. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? That's just like Pitt. Remember, remember, it's one of those like it's in the eye of the beholder. It's all on the aesthetics. I begged you and begged you and begged you, Tim, to let me expense some big old black curtains, wall it off here, get me some styrofoam, have Kevin spray paint them gray, put some space rocks over here. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I what did I ask you? Remember, what did I ask you? I said, can you please get me some fishing wire? I need 13 pound test. And then we we're going to hang Portillo behind me and have him float by every so often. <laughs> Nick, and you said, Tim, no, I want to prove so this know, expense. You got to go double the weight for the pound so you'd need at least 26 pound but also i'm, I'm willing to pause this podcast right now come back in a week <laughs> to, to, in order for our king to be floating behind you the entire time i'm sure somebody cory cundy can do it in post look today we're talking about interstellar released on november 5th 2014 directed by christopher nolan music once again by hans zimmer a little fact here about the music composer hans zimmer was instructed by christopher nolan to make a unique score it's time to reinvent the endless string ostinatos need to go by the wayside. The big drums are probably in the bin. Nolan chose not to provide Zimmer with the script or any plot details for writing the film's music, but instead gave the composer a single page that told the story of a father leaving his child for work. It's dope as fuck. Wow, what a yes. what a challenge. It, Nick, it's like when Tim walks up to you and me and's like, hey man, go do something cool and funny. And we're like, okay, yeah. challenge. It's like it's on the same level, yeah. you know what I mean? It is definitely on the same level. Yeah. I mean, to be clear, I don't, I don't think I've ever said that. I'm just like, just do something. And yet, you still just the point. Just do something. Well, yeah. she was disappointed too, so it's perfect. I will say, um, on a serious note, the music in this is unbelievably stunning. I think that like this this movie is my favorite by far Nolan film for all of the reasons that we're probably going to talk yeah. about. But the music to me is just so perfectly haunting and the fact that it is just that big cathedral organ the entire time and it's never hopeful ever <laughs> like there's never a point where he's about to exit like do a maneuver where he's about to crest the event horizon of a black hole and you're like i think this is going to work out pretty okay for him it's just that haunting haunting like simple score that just is, goes so beautiful with the visuals of this movie it is so existential like it, it is just i'm filled with dread the whole time but I'm also like crying and kind of happy. Like I, you're inspired. That, again, yeah. guys, just go play Outer Wilds. I'm telling you guys, this game, this this movie just makes you feel every feeling possible. And uh, yeah, I, I was thankful to have watched it at Tim's last night, and it was it was an experience. There was a moment when they go into the wormhole that me, Joey, Gio went to the bathroom at the worst fucking time. But me, Joey, and Andy. We had a moment together. It was a fucking before? lot, man. Like, I feel like we all like should have held hands and we totally were, like, just like looking at like it was intense, dude. It, it was, was so good. There, there are so many moments. Period. There's so many moments in this movie that like really get me, um, and they really, really move me. The first is when he runs out of that. He's like, "Murph, we gotta, we gotta fix this before I leave. Like, please don't let me leave like this." And she doesn't want him to go. So the only thing, the only power she has is to like not talk to him. And then she realizes all too soon this might be the last time she gets to say goodbye to her father. And as she runs out, we see that shot on the side of his car as he's leaving his house, and it's mirrored perfectly as she like runs out and screams for her father, but he can't hear her. And it's then the dusty. next shot we see and the countdown is that beginning. same. Yeah, it's the countdown, but then it's that that shot's mirrored in him leaving the Earth, like the shot from like on top of the actual rocket. We're seeing the rings of the rocket fall off, 
And it's just so unbelievably powerful for me. It gets me like I can't talk for like 10 minutes after that scene every single time. Why, why didn't the grandpa just call him? Tell him to stop. Instead, he like grabs the daughter and he's like, no, don't chase after. Kevin, they were I wasting to go. Breath. I think they he had to go. Breath, I, no, no Time's one has a to go with that, ur- that, that uh, urgency. Well, Earth's keep in mind, I mean, like, you know, first off, shout out to John Lithgow. But secondly, like, it's not fixed, right? Even though she chases after him right. there, like, she still doesn't forgive him going forward. So, like, she still is bitter that he left and still is all the stuff. So he stops yeah. her there. And I think also there's probably some of that uh, in the how hard it is on him, right? Like, do you yeah, really like want to get in his do head? Do you want to keep stop? Exactly. Do you want to yeah. keep the band-aid's been ripped off? We've left it how we left it. Like, again, and I also think there's part of that too of where. Even though they don't know when he's coming back, they assume he, if he's coming back, it'll be sooner rather than later. Right. And there's yeah, always the possible there's always the possibility of video chats and stuff like that too. Or like his other son, obviously, like he thought. I think the 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 grandfather was like, "We'll keep the peace. We'll let him go." And then in a, in a week or whatever, she'll do a video yeah. and they'll talk and it'll be fine. Didn't Except she never did. And McConaughey, that McConaughey holding back tears always gets me. God, it's every so fucking time. I know time. it's been memed the shit out of, but like those scenes God. are so fucking powerful. Did he win? When he comes off of Miller's. I think he won an Oscar so, for Dallas Buyers Club, but not for oh, this. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he I was really him. good in that, too. Doesn't seem like he did, uh, but the movie yeah. did win a whole bunch of things. So keeping on with the facts here, sticking with the music stuff, uh, several tracks of Hans Zimmer's original score were recorded at a tempo of a beat per second, so 60 beats per minute, precisely matching the passage of time, a recurring theme of the movie. And there's a couple of moments I pointed out to Andy, that, it, uh, especially when they're on Miller's Planet, where time is such an uh, important thing to them, where the tension is so much higher because you hear the like tick, 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 tick yeah. of the music. God. So freaking cool. A budget of $165 million, box office of $699.5 million. But that's not all the money that they made from this. They made money in some surprising ways, you guys. They For had a corn right base uh, Christopher spaces. Nolan sought to grow 500 acres of corn, which he learned was feasible from his producing of Man of Steel. So some good came from <laughs> Wait, Man of Steel. The corn was then sold and actually made a profit. Oh, so he actually grew the corn for the shots in the movie, and then mm-hmm. they, they sold the corn. That's genius. That's yeah. such an interesting crazy. thing. Like, it wouldn't have been cheaper to just even buy a house on a cornfield, you know? Well, I don't That's know. A lot of e- it, this seems like a lot of effort, Kevin. I'm with yeah. you. Like, like it's, I, it sort I of reminds like... It reminds me of when people, uh, like, you know, shave their beard and then have to regrow it for shots later. Or, you know, I always think about how long do they have to wait? But in this case, they have to wait for like the right season to grow corn. Uh, That's crazy. Well, you have to imagine like, instead of like, I don't know, maybe he did, maybe he had farmers come plant it and then they, they needed access to that land for a couple of months and they wouldn't be able to like actually make it tenable. But whatever it was, those shots, the shots of the farm are some of the coolest in the whole film. And like, I I love how it's mirrored at the end where he's like, we, they bring him back to the house. And they have that one little in joke where, like, she's like, "My father loved farming." He's like, "He told him that I love farming." <laughs> and she just laughs. They just have that wonderful. I mean, the, the movie is so just perfectly done, in my opinion. Like the very first few shots we see, we see these old people telling the stories of the blight and like how everything was a dust bowl, basically. And you don't really know; they're kind of like out of time. You don't know when this is being told or how it's being told. And it's only until the end of the movie where you realize that that's actually Murph, like telling the story of like her father and how he went away and how she had to figure out all this stuff. It's so freaking cool. So- Fun facts there. So Old Murph has the first and last lines of dialogue in the movie. Just a fun piece of trivia. Uh, But the cooler thing is besides Old Murph, all the other people in the documentary style interviews are actual real people. That was real footage from a real Ken Burns documentary called Dust Bowl. Yeah, Yeah. that's cool. So um, 
sticking with the the practicality that we were talking about like so much of this especially for the imax shots they wanted to be as practical as possible so a lot of the stuff was uh you know um i'm blanking on the word right now but uh figurines and shit um miniatures, miniatures. um for the space stuff but in the earth stuff with all the farms and stuff they, they wanted it to actually be a real location and, and trying to not have it be like on studio like fake rooms and stuff to really yeah. like have a lived in feel and uh, the giant dust clouds were created on location using large fans to blow celluloid-based synthetic dust through the, through the air so that, that the actors not. were really acting against it. That That's not terrifying. I, I, first off, I didn't realize, <laughs> I didn't realize that that was old Murph. I, didn't, I never realized that, so that's really, really cool. You didn't realize what? I, I never realized I was old Murph. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just, thought, I just I thought it was old lady number three in the credits. No, or the actress, I think her name is Ellen Bernstein or Bernstein. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I see her. I was like, oh, I, I remember thinking in theaters. I was like, oh, that's interesting. They got her for that. And then at the end, I'm like, that makes a lot more sense. That's she's a really, really notable actor to have just randomly have a cameo pop up in the front to talk about. Yeah. Dad liking for me. So, yeah, the documentary style interviews of older survivors shown at the beginning of this movie and again on the on the television playing in the farmhouse towards the end of the movie are from Ken Burns, the Dust Bowl uh, made in 2012. They're real survivors, not actors of that natural disaster. That's cool. And speaking of Murph, Murph's name is said 79 times in this movie. Murph. I love it because it reminds me of Robocop every time he says it. Murphy. Uh, To get through the last uh, rig and roll shit, at the 87th Academy Awards, the film won Academy Award for Best Visual Effects and was nominated for Best Original Score, Best Sound Mixing, Best Sound Editing, and Best Production Design, but did not win them. Runtime of two hours, 45 minutes. It's sad to me that it didn't get nominated. Did you say it didn't get nominated for cinematography, right? It just got for visual effects. Because yeah. this, because I think Wally Fisher's well, work in this for visual is a oh, one for visual. Well, I think his the cinematography in this is I think is the best in any Nolan film. Period. It's it's shot very straightforward, which I think is on purpose. But man, the moments where we just sort of it cuts out to the wider shots. There's one moment specifically where we see the ship, the tiny little ship floating through like space, Saturn. and then you see Saturn behind it, and it's just such a simple, simple like simply com- composed shot. But it works so well, and it's such a lovely homage to like 2001: Space Odyssey. Like this movie evokes all of those emotions from all these classic deep sci-fi films without being as, and this is no disrespect to to 2001: Space Odyssey, but like without being super drawn out and almost borderline boring. Like there are moments where you're like, let's just exist in this. Similar to how we how we talk when we talk about like Miyazaki films, where like we're just going to take a moment to show you something, and Uh, that something is going to be this amazing environment. One of my favorite moments in like movie theaters happened in this uh, in this film, and it was a moment very similar where it's just the it's like a shot of black, and all you see is the little spaceship drifting. Do you remember that? Yeah, I think that's what I was just talking about. I don't think Saturn was. It doesn't matter. Uh, oh, either way, it's, like, it's a tiny little spaceship. I mean, yeah. it might be when they float in front of the um, the wormhole for the first time or something. But you just see I mean, that happens a thousand yeah. times. Right, right. And, anyway, yeah. but in the movie theaters, like the the audio cuts to to silence. And I remember because we watched this in seventy millimeter, hearing yeah. the projector yeah, just was such a like weird thing that I hadn't heard at this point for so many years, and it was like really really cool. Just the audio cutting out. They use um they use a lot of really really the sound design of this movie is, is amazing as well and they do one of my favorite things which is when we go outside you can't hear anything like the sound just isn't there and uh, it, uh, and occasionally you'll hear like the dull drum of something like you would hear from inside the ship like a, it's a little bit there so they they play with sounds so wonderfully here and like it's just such a like the, the thing that stands out is always that time when like Matt Damon's talking and he's monologuing and he's clicking switches and he's halfway through a sentence just goes and he's just done. 
and then it cuts to the outside. And it's just like explosions, but it's just a, a terrible visual with no sound. It's fucking horrifying. What yeah. an awesome uh, moment that is. Where he's he's about to start on this bullshit monologue, bullshit. where he's gonna be like, "Oh, basically, I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing it," and just boom, done. done. Fuck you. What a great role. Like, by the way, did anyone when you guys saw this first time? Do you have any idea Matt Damon was in this movie? No, no, no I, had, I was. They pulled him out of the thing, and I was like, "That guy looks a lot like." Matt. Oh my god, that's Matt Damon. <laughs> Why would Matt he just Damon. randomly be in this? Was movie? this pre or post Martian? I think this uh, was pre. Okay. Yeah, this was pre because this was 2014. Um. And yeah, I was reading a thing. I didn't write it down for the trivia because it wasn't that interesting. But uh, pretty much he was going to turn down the Martian because he's like, I like literally just did this. Yeah. And Ridley Scott, the director of that, was just like, dude, they're different fucking movies. Yeah. Was just like, <laughs> All right, fine. That's fair. That's fair. So he ended up doing both of them. But uh, Nolan made a, a big uh, effort to make sure that this wasn't spoiled. That like him, they wanted that to be a moment for the audience of just like, what the fuck? Uh, and not really knowing if he was a good guy or a bad guy. And like that's the thing is like, I was telling Andy, this is my second time seeing this movie. Like his turn of being a bad guy is so clear when you know it's happening. But when oh, I yeah. first watched the movie, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah I was I, I, I you like, feel it. You feel something's wrong. With something's wrong. Not, Why is this robot torn time. apart? Why is this robot yeah. All torn up? Why is it yeah, exactly? I was just distracted by like how much other plot was going on the first sure. time. Sure, oh no, totally. So, totally. so this time when you when you know that it's coming, there are so many different signs that are just like leading to it and it's just like it's awesome that you're so gripped by the movie that I'm sitting here like Matthew McConaughey, man, come on. Just like fucking see the signs, see the signs, but it's like that's it's cool that even though I know what's happening, it's like I feel like I, I want to help the character. Yeah, you know? yeah, and that, and that I, moment is so beautifully crafted. Where uh, again, I always relate moments like this to the step scene in Game of Thrones, uh, before the whole thing explodes and there's the wildfire, and then they go back to the to the cathedral area or whatever the fuck. Like I always compare moments like that to this, uh, just because it's like the one moment that I always remember. But just you know. Matt Damon talking to McConaughey as they're making that long trek down and you're starting to get sort of like weird dialogue from Matt mm -hmm. Damon and it's starting to sound really eerie and then it always cuts back to Romley working on the robot and like something's up with this robot why why the fuck you know it needs a human touch to be reactivated is what Matt Damon said Man. I just love the way it keeps on shifting back between all those moments it's so yeah. like you know something's about to happen and it's not going to be good it's but then you awful. you hear yeah, you hear Matt Damon talking, and one of the things that's like that's like like terrifying about it is that there's a small party that's like I kind of empathize with this guy. Like I don't agree with what he's doing, but like he's talking. He has those moments where he's like, "I really thought I was ready to die when I set off on this. I thought I was ready to die, but it never occurred to me. It didn't even occur to me for one second that mine wasn't the planet." And he goes, and I knew within like five minutes of landing here. That's that what gets I, me. It's like as soon as as yeah. soon as I got here, I knew it wasn't the planet. And I'm like, oh my god, god to get there mean, after so much travel, so much pressure, so much everything, you get there and immediately know, like, fuck, this isn't it. Dude, yeah. Who knew that oh. Matt Damon was such a good actor? When they wake him up <laughs> and he immediately starts sobbing starts and crying, folding, yeah. it's yeah, just like right. you understand, especially after the second viewing, you understand that like he thought he was dead that last yeah. time he put himself in that thing. Yeah, well, not even that, the, too, the right? It's, it's on the second view. This is my second viewing of Interstellar as well. And it's when he wakes up, it's that, obviously, yeah, that he thought he'd never seen anybody, but then also wrestling with the reality, right? That he brought these people here to die yeah, as well. To die. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he he's because he's he didn't come to that planet as a bad guy, right? Yeah. It's the, it it's the to... solitude and it's the failure and it's the loneliness and it's the he abject, has... you know, uh, face of death in front of you. 
he has that great line where he's like, I resisted pushing that button so many for, times. Yeah, for yeah, so yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. For, um, he's like, I knew if I just pushed it, someone would come maybe one day. But you know what? The sad thing up. is all he would have had to do is be like, hey, guys. Oh, quick yeah. thing. Um, This is not the planet. Let's yeah. go to Edmund's planet. Fucked up. Let's, Let's go. Just pop Let's up leave. and go to Edmund's And it would have been like, I mean, it wouldn't be fine. But like, yeah, they're there at that point. But he yeah. ca- they kind of do that though, right, Nick? Because it is that he starts breaking it to them. And he's like, well, there's others. And he's like, well, no, we're the, the situation we're in, this is it. You're, you were our last stop. And that's what I think. Well, yeah, because really they like, talk about ah, their fuck. fuel reserves. Yeah, yeah exactly. They, they, like, yeah, yeah. Well, it was the last stop if they wanted to go, if they McConaughey wanted, wanted to go back. Right. But so he could have been like, hey, sorry, this isn't the planet. And then what were they going to do? Like, well, we have to go forward. So, but he, I guess he didn't know that at the time, but and very conflicted. My question was like, how are you going to explain this to everyone? But I guess if the plan was just to go to Edmund's planet and start a colony where you are like a god to all these small, like 5,000 small children, like you could just paint whatever narrative god, you wanted, horrible. right? Horrible. I don't know. 5,000 small children? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that sounds like, pretty that terrible. Just, that yeah. seems terrible. It's a lot of poop. Man, how, what, a horrible, a what a horrible, like, how, that would be so hard, right? To, like, recolonize a planet with, what do they say they were going to do? Like, we're going to do, do, like, 10, I think 10 first and then start and then, and then keep. Exponentially increase. Yeah. Man, that's crazy. Hey. That's no fun. Nobody would want that. Nobody would want that life. Paul especially, see? Keep me at home. Yeah. She's out we'll do that. some drugs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, great, robot, feel like I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna get in this pod and sleep for 20 years, and the odd chance that I might die on another planet, or do you just go break out the margaritas right now? Let's just have a party. Let's make some alcohol out of corn and go. Well, that's why. <laughs> that's exactly what you're describing. Is why they don't tell everybody <laughs> that the planet's exactly. fucking dead. Because like, everyone mo- n- and next to everybody would pick that. It was just like, fuck it. Let's burn this down. Let's burn this. Place Real quick, the uh, the guy that dies and. It, it, it dies when um, the other <laughs> Kip or whatever explodes. Romley. 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 I'm gonna. I just want to right now nominate him for MVP because like he wow. his life sucked. The guy that had he to went, spend 23 years in a space station by himself. By himself with when they get back to it, when they get not, back up like, there, and he's insane. old, and they look at him, and they, he talks, and he's yeah, jeez, man, it's insane. Such a great. Or, moment. He's like why? He's, so, he not was, only that, he then explodes because some asshole rigged the yeah. thing that like he was about to explain to everyone, you know? Yeah. Good. So the, uh, I was saying earlier, the robots are so dope. And I lo- their voices are so great. All the bits of them. It's the comedic relief this movie definitely needs to, yeah. like, lower the tension because it's always at a 10. Um, I, I'm not familiar with the people that are the uh, the voice actors. Bill Irwin and so Josh Bill, Stewart. Bill Irwin's been in a bunch of stuff. In a bunch of stuff. Yeah, Bill Irwin's actually – I just sat my wife down because we've been going through, like, this 80s anthology of movies that I picked for her. And one of the movies we watched was My Blue Heaven. And he plays the um, he plays Rick Moranis' like, buddy – fellow uh fbi agent in it he's always really really funny like side character comic relief yeah which is when i heard that voice i was like who is that i looked him up i was like what an interesting casting choice because that guy is always just a silly goofball like he's a character actor right he's He's like a steven toblerowski or whatever when he popped up in memento like oh it's that guy you know what i mean he's one of those that guy kind of people yeah i I thought he did such a killer job in this oh totally uh uh, just the way andy andy brought up a really good point uh tell him andy about the robots um oh yeah just sort of like in the beginning when when they arrive at nasa and they don't know that it's nasa and they're sort of captured or whatever and then immediately tars is talking to matthew mcconaughey and sort of interrogating what are you doing here blah 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 and it takes like 10 maybe six lines of dialogue to completely normalize what the hell these robots are sure and it's just such a perfect job because you see this thing it's like 
what this robot is talking to Makane in this world like what this is kind of bizarre and then immediately he's like yeah you're ex-military yeah, I should put you you're not a Marines don't exist anymore like immediately they totally uh, these robots feel real and lived yeah, in yeah. and they exist in this world and it's all done so convincingly well I, really what I love about so well I and I love that like not only are they funny and they have the lines of dialogue and all the you know percentages of emotions and all of that stuff like I think that the the way that they're designed is so just off-putting and lame where you're just yeah. like, it's just a, a big refrigerator looking thing. But then to see throughout the movie them accomplish different tasks and especially like saving Anne Hathaway on the water planet and, and things like that, like their designs were so practically creative. Like that, like that's the cool thing. It's like it's it's definitely function over fashion uh, with, with yeah. these guys. And, and a cool fact I got here is uh, the majority of shots of the robot TARS were not computer generated. Rather, TARS was a practical puppet controlled and voiced on set by Bill Irwin, who was then digitally erased from the movie. Irwin also puppeteered the robot case, but in that instance, he had his voice dubbed over by Josh Stewart. So you can imagine, Nick, Bill Irwin just behind there. Oh, yeah. Oh, I just showed I would it. Hate it. Puppet shit. Well, hate it. one of the it's things right that there. I really appreciate is that they um, – so, like, as opposed to some of the other sci-fi movies that you'd see where the, where the robots just have sort of a monotone tone the entire time, he made a choice to actually have them be in the scene. So, like, when there's moments where he's trying to dock – Bill Irwin's like screaming with them, like Cooper, like don't do like he's like if I blackout in there, and they're all in that scene together where they're where the energy is there, as opposed to if like uh, Matthew McConaughey were yelling and you'd hear like the Hal voice from 2001, where it's like everything's going to be okay, Dave. So it, it definitely changes um, the the sort of the tone of the scenes, and you feel like they're a lot more uh, members of the team. I think if I'm not mistaken, the guy that played Case, by the way, I think I looked him up, but I didn't I didn't go that far down the rabbit hole. And we can do it real quick, but I think he's the guy from Dark Knight Rises who's like, no, brother. You, one yeah. of us has to stay behind. Does the fire rise? The fire rise. I did. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I never looked. No, that's up what, uh, the chat already said that. They oh, did oh, that it it oh wow! Video. Look at the yeah. robot, Kevin. This is cool. Yeah, isn't this rad? This it, is awesome. When when I were initially like shown these guys, I was like, "What a dumb design!" And uh, at one point in Miller's uh, planet, when he's going to save Anne Hathaway, he does the rolling as an asterisk yeah and it yeah, just looks fucking, so yeah. fucking rad yeah that, well, that's the moment that. so that tim's talking about i think that i was going to talk about too just like i think when you first get introduced to these guys you're like what a weird dumb design and then yeah when he is like when uh, mcconaughey turns to him and he goes tars go get her and he turns into that asterisk like holy shit and then picks her up and runs back a different way that's also yeah. super fast. gallops yeah sort of gallops the, you know? yeah, yeah. The, way they, the way the character the, or the the designs break down from like big blocks to really really smaller blocks like there's a moment where he has to he goes if i black out you have to control this and so one of his arms comes out and then a smaller one and then a smaller one and then a smaller one to grab the joystick yeah and you're like, what a fucking weird weird way to think about so going rad. about a robot but it's, it's cool a, it's impossible coop no yeah but it's necessary yeah, oh my yeah, God. yeah, yeah. get out of here i love that because tim and i had the exact same thing like tim said it while i was thinking of like this is the most dominic toretto shit ever let's dude. fucking go <laughs> let's i also go. love that he gets to go on one last adventure with tars like the last thing we see is for, for the oh two yeah, yeah. i'm selling in tars kind of goes into the back of the pilot seat and then pops up like he's the co-pilot i'm like fuck yeah, yeah dude adventures of cooper and tars and he said him he said he said his new honesty settings and trust settings and all that jazz like yeah, that, I love that that was the you know the funniest running joke of the whole thing right of like uh you know mcconaughey talking to Anne hathaway being too honest the robot being at 90 percent honesty 
Yeah. And I, I love the line where we keep talking about, though, in the very scene you're talking about, though, right? When they're racing Matt Damon back to the platform and they're like, he's going to be able to talk. Well, not without the thing. He's like, what, what's that trust setting? What's that trust setting at again, Tars? And he's like, apparently less than yours. A lot, a lot lower than yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was smart. Yeah, the so, brilliant, dude. The this little science brilliant. with Kev stuff here. Um, so earlier in pre-production, Dr. Kip Thorne laid down two guidelines to strictly follow. Nothing would violate established physical laws, and all, and that's all the wild speculations. Wait, and that all the wild speculations would spring from science and not from creative minds of a screenwriter. Writer, producer, director Christopher Nolan accepted these terms as long as they did not get in the way of the making of the movie. That did not prevent clashes though at one point thorne spent two weeks talking to nolan out of an idea about traveling faster than light he said it's not possible so we can't do that we need to stick to the science according to dr kip thorne the largest degree of creative license in this movie are actually the clouds on the ice planet which are structures that probably go beyond the material strength which ice would be able to support yeah they'd that's just dope as fuck yeah uh the method of space travels movies based on physicist dr kip thorne's works which were the basis for the method of space travel in carl sagan's novel contact and the resulting movie adaptation uh, that also starred Matthew McConaughey yeah. and uh, the right, dismantled right, robot right. on the ice planet has the des- designation Kip, which is a reference to the executive uh-huh. producer, oh, Dr. Kip cool. Thorne. Yeah. Who I, also I, wrote a book called The Science of Interstellar. Th- that this movie sorry. super goes into all this shit. This movie does what I think the best type of sci-fi should do is that the second I left the theater, I was like, I have a bunch of questions and I'm going to Google those questions and I'm fairly certain I'm not going to understand the answers, but it makes me want to. It makes me want to learn more about black holes and wormholes and the science behind all that. And like, I just remember like this is like a this is one of those movies I wish I saw with Kevin where I'm like, let's let's (laughs) just sit and smoke a pack of fucking menthols right now and just talk about all of that science in this movie because it's so deep. It's interesting you had that reaction because I told Tim when I watched this movie in Austin, um, I saw it in a normal theater and I saw it in IMAX because I, I knew it would have to be an IMAX movie uh, review. Oh, yeah. And I I just remember driving down I-35 in Austin just contemplating my existence on this planet and like sure. what is all this? And I just went through the most like weird shit where I just, I just like totally dazed out for like hours it felt like because this movie just made me – kind of freak out a little bit (laughs) or like not a little (laughs) bit but a lot (laughs) it's just it's incredible yeah i loved i loved it uh way more this time than the the first time i watched it. i enjoyed it the first time but i was i was kind of like eh whatever and i think a lot of that had to do i think a lot of that had to do with the things that i loved about this is the scale and the awe-inspiring moments and the audiovisual kind of trip that you go on and when we watched it it was it was back when there was all those audio issues with it so a lot of the the bass was distracting and like things were like really fucked up so i kind of left it being like well the thing that is like most lauded about this movie was kind of like whatever so it kind of took me out of it and allowed me to focus on the things i didn't like that much about it and this time a lot of those things were solved so uh, i enjoyed it a lot more but i still stand where it's like to me this is number two behind inception i think a lot of that has to do with uh the inception never hits the highs of the scale of this movie like we talked about going into the black hole uh even just being on miller's planet and it just being just calm and they're in this water it's such a weird world they created and then the wave comes and how big it is and the way that they deal with all of that and just the escalation of this movie is so fantastic of the rises and falls but once we get to the end and it like pretty much the library thing it's just silly as shit and it's just like it's hard for me to kind of like move past that uh, because I start asking so many questions and I get that that's what the movie's for, but I just, I don't really like that. Like, I don't like that. It's kind of answered by, Oh, who, who sent you here? Them. Who's them? Us. Okay. 
You're just supposed to just understand, well, well now like, space and time don't fucking matter. So yeah, it is kinda, it's one of those things where they create enough rules that are based in science and this all could be possible. And I get that. And that's fine. Uh, but to me, it just kind of feels like we've talked about prestige and uh, inception, both as kind of like having these moments of just like, all right, well, now they're just making shit up to kind of like answer any questions and nicely tie a bow on it. And I think that this is the most egregious of that, that literally have a, a solution that can just solve anything where he sees himself back in time to to talk to give Murph this message is like mm -hmm. cool as fuck but eh. but see I, that's yeah. that's theoretically possible whereas like I, I i disagree with you where i think inception like one of the reasons i love this movie so much is because the majority of it is grounded in science and it might not be science that i understand but it's science that's theoretically possible whereas a lot of the stuff in inception is just like it doesn't it doesn't when they explain the rules of it you're like that's cool but this kind of comes off like it's a marvel comic not not like necessarily something that carl sagan would write and for i love all of the smaller things in this and i love the concept of like you won't be able to understand what a fifth dimensional being is you don't understand how quantum mechanics works we don't understand these things all we know is that someone somewhere what might be us from billions of years into the future have completed this loop where we're not living in linear time anymore and the only thing we could do to think to like help us at this moment was to create this sort of tesseract and by the way come on tim they use the fucking word tesseract come on <laughs> it's in the mcu it's but in I mean, the mcu but that, that's my thing is like he goes into the black hole and then from then on it's, we're just supposed to just the only answer is like he's helping find himself like how does he end up in that library from the black hole well no, i mean it's there. all set up like yeah it's it's a, it's a no, I, know, I get it i get yeah. it it's just like Construct. it just seems so 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 just like like it's coincidental is not even it it's just like yeah it's designed it's not, and i'm yeah, like it is well, that's the thing it is designed. yeah no i get it yeah i just higher... i'm like that to me is kind of just like all right fine i'm kind of i'm kind of i'm kind of with him oh go ahead like the, go ahead I, I was just saying i feel like it's so buttoned up in which it's like yeah tim like this is that like they're literally saying future alien or future us right it's it's future human civilization I feel like that matters less where it's like, look, sure, this five dimensional aliens know that they need they want to change something in this time and they found the point where it needs to be and put everything in motion to lead to this thing. You know, I, guess I, think if, if I, I totally understand it is buttoned up to a point that makes it not interesting to me. Not engaging. Yeah, I, I love the I love the idea of it here because my interpretation, and perhaps it's wrong, but was that because they talk when McConaughey is talking about it, right? He's like, "It's us, just not us yet," kind of thing. Yeah. Which to me is that it's not that they knew something they, that they figured it out in the past. They wanted to change something. It's in this moment we knew that this is where we needed to change things. So everybody who's going forward with Murph's work in the science and whatever new NASA is is studying to figure out how to do this. And right. X number of years in the future, you know, hundreds of years in the future, they finally figure it out and like we got it. Let's go back. Let's do the black hole. Let's do the library. Pick them up at these coordinates. Put them in the library so he gives the message and can use. Yeah, it's totally. A, a conundrum right or, that's not what i'm looking for yeah it's like uh, a time paradox almost it's paradox paradoxical. yeah right where it's like it's the what i was talking about with like bill and ted right of like we'll come back and put the keys here and the keys are there and like even back to the future like people you know john connor and all this yeah, stuff it's all it's, that kind of movie the time travel theory stuff. that we've talked about before yeah. where it's like yeah. nobody like how does the loop start if it always involved you know someone yeah putting the black hole yeah. there it, right. Again, it, if time's like no longer linear and we perceive it wrong, or you know, sorry, or they figure out that gravity is this other dimension. I'm right. kind of with Tim, where I think that a lot that there are a lot of cheesy movies uh, elements in this movie. Um, 
I think the, uh, you know, love, I can communicate with love, like all that sort of stuff is really, really cheesy and kind of heavy handed. But I'm still always extremely impressed by the fact by the fact that somebody can concept this and put this together. I know. And I still remember at the end of it thinking like, God damn, like I I don't know. This is my favorite Nolan movie, but it's still it still gets me every time. And even though I know it's cheesy, it mm. still gets me. And it's my really is, weird. <laughs> here's my thing is, I don't think it is cheesy. I think, and, and I'll just right now talk about the love specifically. I think when Anne Hathaway initially presents it, and this is on my first viewing and even my second viewing, because I kind of forgot. I, I remembered where we were going, but not how we got there exactly. When she does the whole thing of like, ah, oh, like, no, I, I can feel, and maybe this is a cross dimensional, cross whatever thing. Right. And we don't, you know, I remember both times being like, yeah, no, I wouldn't vote for this plan. Let's go get the other guy, right? <laughs> but then to get to the end and see it tied up of like, oh, fuck, maybe it is an actual thing of this weird pull of what love is or what we call love. And when we think of like the pink fucking hearts and hard eyes and all this shit, it gets really cheesy to think about it. But then to have it introduced as this, what if it was this different uh, uh, idea? What if it was this different force in the universe that, yeah, has been co-opted into a Valentine's Day and fucking flowers and right. shit like that. But at its core is this, listen, I, I know this sounds weird and I know this is a not the right thing to say, but I like, I do believe this. I like that a lot in the end, yeah, the, but wait, man, the, the reaching out moment, the reaching out to Anne Hathaway oh, totally. when that all handshake. comes back around, Jesus Christ. Like I, oh, that little small things like that. I'm such a sucker for in movies. And I, I know that they are put there to intentionally kind of make you go, Whoa, this is crazy. But like, it still That's, happens to me. Part, like I can't, yeah. I can't deny how fucking well, awesome those moments the, are. You know, the whole movie, the whole movie is about like, they talk, they talk about gravity, right? Where gravity is this one force that can transcend space time where it can go anywhere. We don't really understand it. And we're trying to figure out how it works in order to save the humanity. And the idea that there's, there's other forces like that. One of them being love that can connect us like through through something that we don't understand to me is so freaking cool and that theme plays out so beautifully and yeah to be fair like i any visual construct they were to do in that third act was going to not be as cool as the rest of it because it's you know kind of the payoff for everything and i kind of agree with tim where it's like could have been better but whatever it kind of works what it needs to work but i think the most important thing is when he realizes he's like holy shit this whole thing's not about me the whole thing the whole reason this thing was set in motion where I put myself on this was to be able to tell Murphy these 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 things that I'm gonna encode in this watch because it's all about her. And it, and that's so beautifully backed up when he sets it up at the beginning where he's like your mother and I had a conversation where we're just the ghosts of our children's mm -hmm. future or however he set that mm -hmm. up. And that it turns out to be that where he is literally physically her ghost and he's just doing whatever he can, sacrificing himself and putting himself in this horribly perilous situation just because he knows that she, her future is what the one that matters. His doesn't matter anymore. And him, like the theme, the theme of him metaphorically and physically being the ghost. I was like, every time that shit happens, I start crying. I'm like, this is so powerful. It's so beautifully done. Yeah. Powerful is a good word for this movie. Yeah. That the library scene is just another scene where I would have loved to have been in the room when they, when these <laughs> artists and Nolan are concepting this and just like the, it looks just like all these weird ribbons and stuff, but then it eventually becomes like these threads, the threads of time. Like it's just fucking nuts to me. Yeah, it's so being cool. The books. How about yeah. when it starts folding in on itself and he's like, I think we're so done. Bad. I think we did it. And it just like, he looks off and it just starts folding in. He's like, well, shit, what happens now? And he has that one moment where he's like, <gasps> like he breathes in deep because he doesn't know what's going to happen. And then yeah. it the silence of him just floating out. And we see the two little lights and the Rangers coming from Saturn. I'm like, they're like, Tim, found you what, three minutes what, left um, of air. I'm like, Bro. Oh, Tim, whenever you show the scene again to Gia, 
Just let me know and I'll go over just for those like two minutes. <laughs> I think we're gonna pull it up tonight. Because okay. like so like he wanted to reshow GA. He's like, no, but we need to bump it. Like it's too it needs to be really loud, but we can't do it. It's a little bit too late or whatever. Yeah. But goddamn, I mean that moment gets me every like I I don't think I breathed or like made a move in all of the black hole sequence where I, I was just sitting there kind of like I remember watching Saber by Ryan in theaters, being a little kid and the beaches of Normandy and just sort of sitting there and being like, oh, my God, this is the most intense thing ever. And you feel that because you don't know. Like, even though I've seen the movie, I still have this feeling of I don't know what the fuck is on this other side and how brave do you have to be to just go through a wormhole. do that. It's yeah. well, incredible. The, the second time when it when he ditches Anne Hathaway and he just yeah. goes and then it just gets that point of uh, I forget the um, – the, like the, the word, sand hitting the, you when he just yeah the, the sand stuff but when it just goes to blackness oh like just straight up like yeah. there's just nothing around him it's just oh, like yeah what was your plan bro like you lucked the fuck out that you had future you to come help you because like yeah. jesus <laughs> christ like well, that could have just ended horrible well, i mean that like I, that was the only way to try to keep plan a alive you know what i mean because right. if he yeah. had left with uh Anne hathaway it would only be plan b at this point and plan Kevin, and like that that's too much for him you know yeah. Kevin, it looks like your hair is really, really long, but it's just something it's amazing. Your it's the chair. It's a jacket. Um, no. Wait, uh, real I, quick. I was going to say, I, lo I love that scene as well because he's doing what he can do, which is just like try he's trying to get whatever data he possibly can into like yeah. whatever the flight recorder or whoever's mm -hmm. listening. So he's like, I see I sparks and he's like, he's just describing whatever he can see. But Matt, Matthew McConaughey does such a great job of just being like, I'm trying to keep my cool and stay professional and remember my training, but I am freaking the fuck out and I do not understand what's happening. And then you hear eject, 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 and I go, "Don't fucking eject!" Why would you Where eject? Are you gonna go? Where are you gonna go? What are you doing? And then he ejects, and it's just... yeah. Oh god, fuck! It's, it's good. so good, dude. Uh, there, it's so fucking good. There's also something that I love that they're constantly um, like, man talks about. You know why we couldn't send uh, robots to do this? Because like they're they're. They're not good at improvising. They they right, don't have instinct. you know and and we see that when they're you know trying to find a way um, to send the message. But we also Matthew McConaughey has that the moment where he's like, "That's why they needed us." Like he's talking about the, the interdimensional, yeah. multi-dimensional beings not being able to find that moment in time or understand how to translate this message through the thing and that's why they needed someone from like the current understanding yeah contemporary something so cool about that in my mind yeah, yeah like that, robots right? can't have fear you know like yeah, humans, have humans have fear that can lead them to like humans have that that thing that allows them to like get scared and like pee their pants Survive. which would Impro cause them to yeah. Need a new pair of underwear, ladies and gentlemen. This episode oh. is brought to you by Me Undies. Me Undies wants to talk about your underwear. Like seriously, they have a lot of feelings about it and want to chat with anyone who will listen. So here it goes. Me Undies just wants everyone to feel comfy as heck with the freedom to express themselves. That's why they make the world's softest undies in classic colors and fun prints like dinos and surfboards. Uh, whatever you put on every day, they want you to be comfortable. To I'm be wearing dinos. You. You got them dinos, Andy? Yeah. I'm Good them right job, now. man. Uh, is your undie drawer something to be proud of or a little embarrassed by? How much more fun would it be to get dressed every day if you knew you got to pick from a drawer full of them, full of fun and adorable undie prints like orcas, bees, or cherries? Kevin, what you rocking? Kevin probably. I just got They're flamingos. They're flamingos. You got you them flamingos? See? Do you not see Tim? I'm showing you. Oh, I can't see. Sorry. 
I'm, I'm, I'm only seeing oh, yeah, right I've now. seen that. Seen oh, I'm there sorry. you go. I was showing Thank, you. I wanted you to tell the kids. There we go. Uh, you can keep your undie drawer stocked with Me Undies membership, a subscription that sends new prayers right to your door. Plus, you get site wide savings and exclusive sales. Um, a pretty big deal, guys. They now have t shirts. I ordered one yesterday. Wow. Um, well, they've, they've had t shirts forever. I've been wearing them forever. Oh. But they now have t shirts that are made of the same material that the undies are made of. The micromodal fabric. Oh. And I cannot wait to put this on my body. Uh, you can get 50% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guaranteed by going to meundies.com slash morning. That's meundies.com slash morning to get 15% off your first order, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee. Meundies.com slash morning. Back to it. Thank you. Thank you, MeUndies, for sponsoring us. Mm. Yes, absolutely. So, I have a question. This is a Science for Kevin question. At the end of the film, he gets in one of the tiny little ships and goes, I'm going to go through the wormhole. How long does he have to be in that ship before he gets to Edmund's planet? And does he pee? Because I was like, where do you pee? How well, do you get rid of the it, pee? it took him two years to get from uh, from Earth to Saturn, right? Saturn. Which is where the wormhole is. But then they're – yeah, and then did they sleep when they were – when they got through the wormhole? I don't think they do. I don't think they did. It no, seemed they like didn't. that they was they a shorter short time, yeah. But also – Except for – yeah. The they, one they scientist said, who had to sleep for a little bit, but that was because he was going fucking crazy right, <laughs> above Miller's right. planet. I mean, that makes total sense. Uh, so I don't know. It, it, I guess it implies that it's not that long because, like, yeah, how you many... pop out the other side of the wormhole and it's got to be. But like, close-ish. space is so huge. Like, there's, there's no close. Like, you know, planets now are so far away. Like, what he traveled, Saturn is the sixth planet. Is that right? Right. And we're the third planet. So you know, like that, like that took two we're, years. And yeah, they, we're assuming they have some sort of better propulsion than we have now, right? Because you're seeing the end when the engines light up, they look like fusion oh, engines. They I don't mean, look like natural propulsion n- engines, like rocket. I think sun take the like sunlight takes like 16 years to get to Saturn right now. So, and that's they, light. It must be. That's crazy. That, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. No, I'm thinking Pluto. It must be like <laughs> Andy eight, says. We're no. kind of funny. I, I have a I have a concern. Um. I know uh, I'm enjoying this discussion, everybody. Don't get me wrong. And I know that there have been some times where we said, hey, let's just let's just skip the plot, you know, and it'll be fun. And we had fun. And some people said, oh, that shit was great. They should do that more often. And then we did that again last episode. And people, a lot of people were like, why the fuck aren't they doing the plot? That's the whole point of the show. So, like, I'm just I'm concerned about, you know, Murph, you know, Murph, Murph. Did anyone else think like, hey, man, it's cool that. <laughs> It's cool that Topher Grace was in this movie for five minutes. No, hey, I, thought, I, Eddie Brock himself. I feel I bad because I hate I cool. uh, Topher Grace. There's something about him that, like, I just want to punch him, you know? I told him I love him. I like Topher Grace. No, I like him in this. He was, like, he played a good character in this movie. But even when he was holding that tire iron, and it was like, oh, you're about to get your ass beat. I'm so excited to watch it. You're going to get fucked up by Casey Affleck. <laughs> no, I like that. I, I like him in this. I love. There's. I mean, I assume we're not doing the plot at this point. But um, the yeah, other moment. Is that where you're? What were you driving at there? Did you? Yeah, want just, to do I, the I don't know. Like I, I, you know, I don't. I don't want to anger the fans. You know? I don't have anything to do till three o'clock oh, today. So if you guys want to do three more hours, him. I'm all about angering them. So you know what? We're not doing it. I've just decided it. Thanks. Wow, look at that, Kevin taking the breath. Um, man, the scene. I know we touched about touched on it already, but the way it's the way the narrative switches from matthew mcconaughey over to older murph to jessica chastain's character mm-hmm. that is so beautifully done where yeah. he's watching yeah. and he's going uh, yeah. through all the things he missed in his life and he's crying and he's happy and he's sad and he's just, it's all that range of emotions that you see in matthew mcconaughey 
And then Casey Affleck talks about he's like, this is your grandson. And then in the next thing, he's like, your grandson died. We It's the blight. It's this thing that's happening to all of us. And we, we're, we're dying. And then he's like, I have to let you go. Like my people around me tell me that Lois keeps telling me to let you go. Yeah, I got and I'm going to do it. So bye. Sorry. I love you. Bye. And then it cuts and then Jessica chat and then you haven't seen her yet, but she pops up and you know instantly you're like, holy fuck, that's Murph. Yeah. She's yeah old. Man, and Murph. she's like, today is the day. To, I wouldn't do this, but today is my birthday. And today is that you said you might be older than me. Well, this is the day where I turned the same age you were when you left. And, yeah. and it's just so fucking well done. And then she, you see her on the screen, hit the button and it switches to her perspective. And then all of a sudden we're there. Yeah. And we're back in that world. I'm like, God, this movie is so fucking well, just so well put together. To me, it's it's just yeah. a masterclass. I mean, another moment that it's similar to that just in, in the sense of being so well paced in the editing and just like the way that they kind of put everything. Because Nolan always plays with time, always plays with this type of stuff. And this movie, I think, does it in such a unique way where everything is kind of happening, quote unquote, like at the same time even if they're years apart and like you know speeds are different and times are different so like we wouldn't be able to have watch a youtube video with like everything playing at the same time because that just it'd be fucking years you'd but, see my miller's planet it would end and then 23 it, years later they exactly. Would catch up. <laughs> exactly um but it's still cool that that stuff's still happening um but even just when stuff is like scene to scene uh like when we see uh matt damon get pulled out into into space and there's that intense moment where he starts the monologue and then just gets pulled out that crazy ass moment of like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. And then psh, that happens. You're like, whoa, is immediately followed up with the docking sequence. Oh and it's God. like, it's just relentless. Come like, on, like to me, that is kind God. of the, the actual uh, kind of critical point of this movie where everything is there. And it, this is like on our hero to on our protagonist to be a hero, to do something that only he can do. And the way that it's shot, it's like every single shot in this movie builds up to that when we first start seeing even just the cornfields and we see the dust and how mm -hmm. big the scale is of that but then to see space just being empty like almost every time we see a imax shot of the cornfields the corn's taking up so much of the shot and there's like yeah. there's dust everywhere things are going on when it's space it's just black and then the little ships or whatever's happening but then it builds and when we start seeing the uh into the wormhole stuff with all the colors and all the crazy stuff the payoff of the blackness the, the contrast is is what really makes it so magical and so special to see things contorting and being all crazy. But then when we get to that shot of him going in and spinning and you see him match the speed and all of a sudden it's like they've taught us the language of understanding these ships' movements in, in mm -hmm. this black space so well over the course of three hours in this movie that when this happens, it's like there's a when it, it locks in, there's a moment of release you have as a viewer that is just – so again, awe-inspiring. Like this, this movie is so powerful in in making you feel something. It's and but even really, that, yeah, and, and that, that high feeling, right? Of they lock, off. they lock yeah. in, right? And they've done that, and it's relentless. But it's yeah. also the thing of how bad and how fucked is it on the inside, right? For them yeah. to get in that—that that was my next thought of like, all right, cool, you're in there, but like spinning into something, having it tear it apart, uh, getting in there and seeing what's been blown up, what airlocks have set off, yeah. what what where are we right now in this mission? It, yeah, another awesome moment of like where tars is just like we can't do this like yeah there's no point wasting the fuel and he's like we have to this is our only option tars is like let's fucking go also i was when i said that it takes 16 years i was thinking of the rotation of uh, saturn around uh, yeah around i mean when, yeah. that's wrong too it was 29 years it takes like four or 1.4 hours for the sunlight to get there but that's going to the speed of light so that's right. a lot which faster. we can't even get close to yeah yeah no, no um no. There's a scene in this movie that breaking I, news I, real I, quick. Halo yeah. Infinite delayed till 2021. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, wow. Is that what we're going to call this episode? <laughs> um, 
uh, there's a moment in this movie that I, I never picked up on before. But obviously, when you're doing a, a movie that's like this steeped in like deep science, you have to have some moments where you explain to a character what the fuck's going on so that the audience can understand that. But there's a great moment where they're as they're approaching the wormhole. Um, I forget the scientist's name, the guy that gets blown up at the end, but he has Bromley. to ex- Bromley. No, Romley. Romley. Romley has to explain to Cooper how a wormhole works. And if I were on that ship, I'd be like, wait a minute. Did nobody fucking tell you what we were about to do? You just committed to this. You have no idea how the physics of a wormhole work. And they use the paper analogy where they poke a hole through it. And I was like, man, this he would know how a fucking wormhole works. Yeah, for sure. He's an astronaut. Yeah. For sure. I do do love that this movie does a lot of stuff just like Inception does um, where – you you as the audience are so eager to see what happens that you are okay with stuff getting rushed and just kind of being right. introduced at such a fast pace where Michael Caine oh Michael Caine Michael he's talking, Caine. He's talking Caine. to he's talking to McConaughey and it's suddenly and immediately it's like you have to pilot the ship it's like what the fuck I just got here dude like uh, you don't even are you kidding me he's like you're the only one who can he's like what if I didn't fucking walk through these doors? He's like, then we would have done it anyway. But now you're here and you have yeah, to do this. Yeah, like, yeah. And you got it, sent here by magical coordinates in your daughter's bedroom. Yeah. It's such a fucking hard but, case to argue against. But yeah, he was sent there by. Sent me here. Remember, he wasn't sent there by magical coordinates. What was he sent there by? Gravity. gravity. What is the one thing they're trying to figure out? What is the piece of the puzzle they need? Gravity. gravity. So he was like, fuck, this, something's happening. I don't know what it is, but you're supposed yeah. to be here. I can like feel it, that it's a cosmic force. It's all of these. It's all those elements that are so clearly explained to the audience. But watching it, I'm still thinking, like, man, this is hella convenient. <laughs> like, well, like, you're, like these are, this is a stretch, man. I think they have a better. I think they have a better device in this than they did in Inception. So Inception, the whole uh, point of Ellen Page's character is to explain the rules as we go along to someone who's new to the process. In this, it's a little bit more organic for me because each one of the scientists that is on board has a specialty. And so, like when when um, Romilly has to explain, like he's talking about explaining how the how relativity works. It's understandable that Coop, who would be a, who would have been a pilot, doesn't necessarily understand how the quantum mechanics or whatever the fuck it is, the theory of relativity, whatever it was, the physics, Kev, space mm-hmm. physics, astrophysics, astrophysics, how that might hundred percent work. So he's like, wait a minute, just break it down to me layman's terms because <laughs> I don't, I need top level, right? How long is every hour on this fucking planet? And he goes ten years, and you see that look at his face where he's like, well, we better get our asses down there and. But write the fuck back up because that's it's crazy to think. But like that, that's one of those where I'm like, oh, that I left the theater. I was like, that must be like playing with science a little bit. And then I Googled it. and I was like, nope, it's also just maybe I'm just going to put it out there, guys. If we're ever looking for a planet to recolonize, let's not pick the one closest to the supermassive black hole. That looks like it's sucking all of the life of the universe into it. And the universe is fighting and failing to go into it. This is the movie. This is the movie that conceptualized what that would look like, right? Like, th- isn't this the one that sort of visualized the the sort of spherical yeah, black sphere. hole with the rim kind I of mean, around it? I well, because like it's, it's sucking a star into it or something crazy like that. Yeah, yeah. Other movies have done it, but um, or like because no, I'm, it's been Kevin, done pretty, before, but it looked I'm pretty sure. It, I, I think I this one was using this... the most science to to yeah. have that image. Like, like I remember, see, hear, I remember hole. saying, I remember hearing, like, this is the movie that no, they can't. sort of, this well, is the movie that, that sort of showed everybody what that would look like, you know? Right. Well, it's interesting because to Kevin's earlier point, like, what I just said was was true and false, right? They can see where a black hole is. They can see the absence of the light going into the black hole, but they can never really visualize it because nothing can escape the black hole, even light. And so in this, having there be, like, 
I what I just assumed was like a sun or a star that was being sucked into the black hole so it could actually, you know, paint in the negative space of what the hole looks like. I thought was a very, very smart choice. We uh yeah. we got the first picture of a black hole in April last year. Which Isn't that is, crazy? is that right there? Because they, they thought they knew where they the were. But they were like, we can't see them, so we can't confirm that they're here, right? right. Oh, here. So check this out. Yeah, this, this is what I'm talking about. So the the this is more stuff from Kip Thorne, but like the title of this is from Wired, and it says, How Building a Black Hole for Interstellar Led to an Amazing Discovery. And it's kind of how like they, they started discovering actual real scientific shit while... Make them while making this film like they had some like pretty big That's discoveries awesome. about shit and yes uh in chat um dream beavis says they made new rendering technology to be able to show this that that's uh, also what i'm talking about where this this movie sort of helped um i, I guess you know push some science move forward. some discoveries yeah, yeah. science go far Kev. Science go I far think with this movie. another Skip cool visual right. though is the actual wormhole where it looks like a lens and you can yeah. kind of like as they're going around it, you see the galaxy, the other galaxy through it in the spherical sense. I was so, dude, cool, I love the cool things with hole. that is they talked about the the sphere a lot, even in the plot of this movie to kind of explain the black hole stuff. The Tesseract is the cube version of a sphere, uh, just the, the the shape and stuff of how they actually designed all that stuff. But uh, what's cool about the lens, Nick, is uh, they this movie was shot with 70 millimeter and all that stuff in the IMAX. And they actually, as they were shooting it, there was new lens technologies coming out and they were constantly like, changing and updating the lenses they were using to uh, achieve different effects and there was like a custom lens made for those effects to like cool. have it actually be like camera accurate to create something that, that would yeah, capture the image correctly that's check this out it says uh ray tracing software makes the makes the generally uh reasonable assumption that light is traveling along straight paths this is a whole other kind of physics. We had to write a completely new renderer, says uh, Eugenie uh, von Tunzelman. She's a CG supervisor at Double Negative. Some individual frames took up to 100 hours to render. The computation overtaxed by the bendy bits of distortion caused by an Einsteinian effect called gravitational lensing. In All the right. end, the movie brushed <laughs> up against 800 terabytes of data. Shit. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and, and normally I'd be like that. We could have just probably put a displacement effect on After Effects and gotten something close to it. <laughs> yeah. But kudos, kudos to you. Kudos to you. Good for, doing for that. them, man. Go I, uh, by like the way, I, I normally – I forget what movie we watched. Oh, God, Kev. We watched something on Screencast with that kept playing with that um, – with that, with the aspect ratio, and it was very jarring. In this one, and it kept switching. Yeah, what was that? Yeah, I forget what it was, but um, Transformers: uh, The Last Night. That's it. it might, yes, that's what yes. it was. Anyway, sorry, it wasn't screencast. It was in Rio. Yep. Um, this one, I, I just, I, I forgive, largely because when you do see this in IMAX, that effect of them going to the full frame of the IMAX was so unbelievably powerful that that it's kind of just like cool it switches here and, and i get that and i love that i love both aspect ratios and i love i love their use of it um oh, and i the do wish IMAX that image go, quality is it's so much so better. much superior to the, yeah. the rest of it that i'm well, just like it, it was like disappointing to you i was like ah damn because the imax is five millimeters so stunning well you know what's funny is like did you guys all see this originally in imax or no i forget what yeah. we said okay okay I did. so do, was it unbelievably loud in imax when you saw it Yes. It was so loud to me that I remember having to cover my ears at the part where the ship leaves Earth's atmosphere and the organ really kicks in. I was like, oh, my. I was like screaming to my wife. I was like, this is fucking awesome. And she's like, I'm going to get permanent <laughs> hearing damage from this. And I'm like, she opened her mouth and her teeth exploded. Like yeah. the Simpsons well, that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, yeah. They, it had a borked audio mix. 
Did they really? But did yeah. all in, the in IMAX, IMAX theaters had it? Because like, I, I felt like ours. A, a lot, not all of them, but a lot of them did. But didn't we watch it together, you and I? Yeah. Oh, really? Well, whatever. Oh, if you my, saw it, my, IMAX in, in San Francisco, yeah. it was probably the same mix because that's what I saw. But that's but I will what say, I saw like, too, and it was like not yeah. terrible. He has a he has Christopher Nolan has a couple just small technical deficiencies. And one of them is anytime he shoots an old British actor dying on a hospital okay. bed. You just can't fucking understand anything they're saying. It's this and it's Gary Oldman in The Dark Knight Rises. Subtitles like Yeah, bad. Yeah. I was like, what did he say? Nick, what is, what is you he don't, Nick, if you would ever go to the bedside of a dying old British actor, you would know that's how they sound. That's accurate. Wait, All is right? Gary yeah. Oldman British? I think so. Huh. Yeah. yeah. But it's so funny because like that Michael Caine scene, I was like, I just literally can't understand what the fuck he's saying. I had to turn the, su- the subtitles on for that. I'm like, I don't know. I mean, granted, again, all of this is with the asterisks that I'm watching all these movies through just the TV speakers of my 10-year-old plasma. But, man, he was like, I don't know. And I was like, I think he said he lied to her, but I'm not quite sure. Based on her reaction, it looks negative. But it could also be like, happy birthday. I don't know. Yeah, it's subtitles, bro. Come on. I know, but no, I, but the subtitles ruin the Andy, Yeah, it's not how it's meant to be viewed. Yeah. Y- your focus is supposed to be on the whole shot, not the bottom left trying to understand. Yeah. I mean, I read super fast, though, Kevin. It takes like a millisecond to go, I'm, I'm back up. I'm the way I've always described time. Andy's reading ability is snapshots, where he sees yeah, the caption. Like, you and me would go there, Kevin, go, I'm reading the captions. Andy goes, and, like, he just has it processing in the back while he's doing uh-huh. other things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, Kevin, how would you describe your... Kevin, reading? 800 petabytes of data right here. He's got a lot of pedos in his head. Damn, so many big old pedos. Big old fat <laughs> pedos. That doesn't, that doesn't sound right. I don't know. Yeah. How do you, the, you know, it's funny. On This is the third time I've seen this movie, I think, in its entirety. It's been popped on TV. I'll watch it a little bit here and there. But I actually originally did not like Anne Hathaway's casting in this. Um, specifically, I think, and I think the reason why is because she has to deliver that monologue about love. And the first two times I saw that, I was like, God, that's, that is kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. This third time, it worked for me. And I think it's because I was playing, paying closer attention to like the, the through lines of the themes and having her say that. And realizing kind of like having a, a more holistic view of how the movie kind of comes back in full circle time wise. I'm like, this this is actually working for me. I actually really liked her a lot more the third time I saw her in this movie. Um, um, it doesn't help that like when we cut over to Jessica Chastain, Jessica Chastain is just so much more, in my opinion, like better suited for a role like this that she's much more fascinating for me to watch. I always felt like that line or that the monologue was supposed to sound cheesy because at the end of the day, she doesn't win them over, right? Like... Well, and also it's not rooted in science, right? So right. she's like a scientist right. and she's like, yep. love, love has to be this thing. And, and yeah. even Matthew McConaughey was like, I'm the dumbest person on this ship. And that sounds like <laughs> <laughs> I'm Matthew McConaughey. Like, and- I am by far not the smartest person on this ship. And that sounds like some fucking weird, dumbass logic. But it ends up being it ends up being the case. I think that yeah. was, that's, that's why it works, right? Yeah, yeah. We're all on the same page. It's, we all come into that her. same knowledge, you know, not knowing what in, in their world that love is some kind of scientific thing or pull or whatever. Right. So to hear her yeah. say it, you are like, yeah, when you spell it out, that sounds dumb as shit especially for not having uh told everybody romley or whatever his name was uh, that you know hey this is how it's going well uh, something that i didn't really vibe with though like with, especially with like the theme of love as a concept of this movie and like what they kind of present with all of it is when we see matthew mcconaughey and his love throughout this movie it kind of feels inconsistent to me especially when you look at the beginning of him when he first goes on the mission like his goodbye to murph feels a little anticlimactic like it feels like he should have tried a little harder to connect with her and i know she was mad at him but like 
literally th- that conversation leads to him getting in a truck and going off. And I understand times of the essence and all that shit, but it's just like the, to, combining that with the conversation he has with John Lithgow about uh, why is he doing it? And it, I'm not totally well, convinced at that moment that he's not doing it because he feels this need for adventure. adventure. Mm-hmm. No, you know? that, but that is And true, then right? setting that up though, I feel like kind of just like splits it in a way that, especially by the time you get to the end of the movie and he's at Murph's uh, dying bed, and it's like such a powerful moment. And then she's pretty much just like, all right, you can go now. I'm going to have a real family go. Away. It's just like, okay, you guys just need to finish the movie. Like that just seems so wildly well, unbelievable. Well, so for and like me, only in a way to, again, button it all up at the end and have it be this thing of like, we did it guys. Maybe, but you have to remember a, she's lived without her father for a hundred years. So he's already been dead and she's More already kind of made her piece of that. Yeah. She's like a hundred. I think he's 124 100. years old. And yeah. so she's, you he can't left say when he, he, she made her peace with that when it's literally every time we see her over the course of her hundred year life that she's just can't stop talking about it. Sure. And about yeah. It but I feel like after, sure. after she got the information, which I want to talk about that in a minute, but um, like, I, I do think that like she did think he had died. In the eighty years that passed, yeah. with her not for sure, she did any info and, from him. And but, but to to address the first part, Tim, that that first moment it was a little weird for me too. I was like, man, you you think you he would stay there until until he she made died. good with his daughter. But there is a an element of his character development where he has never been happy being a farmer, which is why he always pushes his other son and his daughter to being like other because he knows that his potential and it's selfish. It's pure selfishness is why he leaves. And it's not until the end of the movie that he realizes, holy shit, this whole thing wasn't about me. I didn't like I'm just a tool to get to put my daughter where she's supposed to be. She's the one that's going to save everyone. It's not about the state. And, and they even have that moment where he's like, nice of you to name the space station after me. And the guy laughs. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, we didn't name it after you, buddy. Sorry. Yeah. He's like, well, I we think that's that part of the thing that like has I think that is- realization. Isn't explored as much, but I think is there in terms of the characterization of uh, Coop throughout the movie, right? Where he is this single father in this blight, doing a job he doesn't want, living with his father-in-law, who they're fine, but they're not close, close, no. right? Like they, they're not, they're not like bros. And it is this conversation if he's been given in his head, right, a bum rap. He's been dealt a bad hand here. And so, yeah, when he, you know, in the very beginning, we get to see him, you know, fail his flight and whatever. And that's the whole thing of like why he doesn't fly anymore or why they won't let him fly anymore. You then get it to be, yeah, we get this slice of life from him yet that, yeah, guess what, everybody? Life sucks for him here. He's not accomplished. He does love his daughter or whatever. He the, he sees himself so much in his daughter. You know, he takes her to school. She, they're not teaching Apollo landings anymore. They're saying it's, you know. Uh, what a great, great, great. Totally. God, and it's like so this much. thing that's setting up the fact that, like, he doesn't want. He sees himself in her. And I think that when we get to the scene that for you, Tim, is unbelievable, right? Of like him leaving the, the, his uh, daughter the way he leaves her. I think a big part of that is not only the timetable of it, not only the, hey, this is, I need to go have an adventure. It's this thing of trying to talk to yourself in a way and also being exhausted, being a single parent at this point. And granted, arguable because the grandfather's doing some heavy lifting there too. But this thing of just like, we're always on the same fucking page, Murph this is the right thing. You're just like me. You understand this. Just understand this. You need to understand it. Cause he does like, there's a line where she actually, I think punches him in the face by accident and the, and the acting, but rolls over and he's like, come on Murph. And it's like the way I've talked to Portillo before, not in like Murph's his dog, but in the way of just like, 
you know exactly what I need you to do right now. Just do what I need you to do right now. You know this is how it has to happen. This is what's going to blah, blah, blah. Right. And I think it is back to what we were talking earlier about uh, the, you know, it's like your mother used to always say, you know, that when you guys are born, we're just ghosts now for your future kind of thing. I think it is to back to Nick's point that, yeah, I think he says that and he says that and he says that over and over again as them being children, but I don't think he believes it necessarily. And then at the end, when he is the literal ghost of their future, of the fate of fucking humanity, too, that's when he gets it and it locks in and he he's there more for the, okay, yeah, I am, I, I'm living this now and I get it in a way I didn't get it before and this is what's happening. Yeah. All that said, I do think when he gets to the bedside and she's like, <laughs> I'm so glad you're alive. Get the fuck, get the fuck out of my out. room and go save yeah, that's Anne Hathaway. True. It's like, that's uh, true. Okay. It's I mean, cool I think that, that is one of those. Not believable to me. That's one of those yeah, moments like I, where we do, we do need to end this movie yeah. and, that, and that's how it is. But the, the moment that always gets me a little bit, there's two moments. There's the wormhole moment where they explain to an astrophysicist like fucking how wormholes work. And then there's a moment where he walks in. Now, Greg, if you were sitting here and you're great with all of your family. And your yeah. great, yeah, yeah, great yeah, yeah, yeah. grandfather walks through the fucking door. And everyone, by the way, would know who this guy is. Yeah. Because he's one of the three or four people that left 124 years ago to save the planet. And it fucking worked. This guy walks through the door and everyone's like, who the fuck is that? And then they all just leave. <laughs> but they don't like, even oh, say I didn't get, I didn't get the who the fuck that. is that. I didn't get the who the fuck is that. I, I got the, oh, shit, that's him. Let's let him have his moment with his daughter. Then but when then it I'd came, like, then when I was invited back in the room to say goodbye to my grandma or whatever, my mima, I would have also be like, "Hey, pleasure to meet you." Yeah. Time Let's traveling, great, great, great grandfather, <laughs> yeah. person who's younger and better looking than I am, and he's 124 years old. Let's have a yeah. Uh, yeah. I I got questions. <laughs> I'm part and of I think, the family. Yeah, I think and I need audience, you to be on my podcast. I need to interview George, you. The kids were Matthew McConaughey's real kids. Were they really? Uh, That's great. Oh, I didn't know. But I, kids. I, I, as an on, every time I get to the scene, and obviously it's because I love this movie so much, and I just want to be in this world more. But it is disappointing where he's like, they have that moment where they have one more moment together, and she's like, "I'm with my family. You, I know, I know you want to be back out there. I know who you are. Like, go back out there one more time." Um, part of me is like, "Can you just stay for one more fucking day and like, like hang out yeah, with your just, daughter?" Dude, I really. The more we talk about it, the more it like falls apart it's for me. Of, like, it's, well, I, it's, yeah, it's, it's not being perfect. selfish and doing his own thing. Sure, all this stuff happened, but that's not because of his love or because he wanted it Wait, to. So it's about her, her, the whole climax of this being them needing to re meet each other and have this moment for her to just send him back out. Cool as fuck. The final shots of him going to so to get cool. Anne Hathaway and all that stuff. Cool as hell. Stealing the the ship. All of that. Literally could not be cooler. Right. But I feel like the movie at some point kind of gives up the goose of being like trying to be cool instead of being consistent with the themes it was set. Maybe I, I don't. I don't think so. This doesn't. It doesn't destroy the whole movie for me at this point. No, I, mean, I always got that she's going to die here and that she just wants to be surrounded by like the rest of her family and that yeah. it'd be like really awkward for him to be in the room and and that yeah, they dies. needed for her family to like be with her. She wanted to provide that last moment with them without having hit this weird thing happening. So I always said, I always in my brain, I'm like, I'll just explain it away of being like, we had this moment, we said hello, we finally reconnected, we forgive each other, you're great, I'm great, now get the fuck out of here so I can die with the three other generations of my family that I have made and I've lived with forever. And go, they, go, the one thing that I, that, I, that I thought was weird though on the third viewing was that when I first saw this, I was like, oh, there's a weird sort of like almost romantic affection between Cooper and, and, um, and Hathaway. And Hathaway's character. I didn't get that the third time. The third time I watched it, I was like, I think he just wants to go like save her because no, I feel she's like there's certain implications being him. made, like especially like when he is leaving her. Like it's not just like no, I'm gonna lose the only other person that could be help me on this mission. I I 
get the feeling. I think he has that an affection trying. for her, but I just yeah. don't know what that affection is. I don't. I there's yeah. one moment where he sort of flirts with her a little bit at the very beginning. Yeah, where she says, he knows. Her, but yeah, but he, she says, "I'm so and so," and he goes, "I knew, I knew a professor or whatever, but yeah. he didn't look like you." And then you know, which I always thought was a weird line in this because I was like, "You think your kids are going to die? Why are you stopping to flirt with Catwoman here?" But um. But like then toward the end of it, I just got this concept of like he is a space explorer. He has to be out there, and his, one of his teammates is like alone on this place, and it's really sad. And he can fix that, so he's. But I mean, go. she has it down, right? And also, why isn't I guess does no she, one knows? But does she know that they're coming for her? This no, is the other the question no I have idea. for you is she can't get signals through the wormhole, right? Right. Correct. But they did, so why can't they anymore? I, I forgot she why. Have, well, remember they had to get into it. Remember they shot Tars into it, and then no, Alpha, no, Alpha, 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 into it. The wormhole's still there, and the wormhole can get signals through and out. That's how they got the signals back it, from the three scientists to begin it, with, right? They couldn't send signals. Oh, they were very rudimentary sin- signals, is what they said. So right. you can't send a lot of information. It seemed like it was minimal stuff, but I. So would Anne Hathaway and, know that they're going to come for her one day? I, and well, not? if they continue to send messages out, which. I'm sure that it makes sense that they did. So when she popped out, if the equipment stayed intact, uh, you have to imagine she had years of messages of them being like, we fuck you guys fucking did it. Yeah, right? we got you. We're coming. We're going to be there in our time, fucking 30 years, your time. You're going to literally touch it down and we're going to have a party ready for yeah. you. Yeah. Because like all that time dilation weird shit. Right. right. Yeah, but so I mean, I was, it also didn't work out. Like, wait, right. Because they came out at the same time. Um, what's uh, Matthew McConaughey well, and Anne Hathaway. They are in the same time, like, because their dilation was the same, right? Yes, but he, their dilation was a hundred and some odd years, right? Right. So she, but she, to him, they're they're still on the same timeline. So basically, my question was, I, I and I have no idea if we, you can even do the science for this because we don't know how much time passed. But how long did it take her to get to the planet? How long has she been on that planet before he comes and gets her? Is I mean, it so, a matter of a couple days or weeks? No. Or? Well, so we it get the like a while because she was able to set up like a big camp and stuff. Yeah, she but was I, able I to... think that that's the she kind buried of stuff her love that, too. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's all easy to do. Like they, it's, they implied. <laughs> well, no, no, but like they implied that like the guys, the guys decomposing. He probably weighs ten pounds. They, they implied that. I mean, he's probably like mushy, melted into the in like oh, the, yeah well, into a suit. It, it, the, yeah, he's been there. Like the the things only work for like ten years or something, right? Yeah, the sleep thing, or maybe it was like twenty years, but like at that point it had been like another eighty on top of that. Yeah. So, so yeah, she's holding like a big like uh like a big uh, sleeping bag of just liquid and shit. Goop. It's like one of the it's Human like one of those goop. little like balloon things that you can stick your finger in. Remember those Wait, things? Yeah. But they like, remember, what is this, remember, remember when they the um they were on man's planet and they were like oh like we're gonna drop the like we want to find a place to drop the base and like. You can't like undrop it when you drop it. So I think that right. the base stuff was they like they shoot something from outer space, lands. I mean, land a rover of yeah. some sort, yeah. And like, and so wait, did the base to... have all the eggs in it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then Hathaway gonna be like Big Mama Hathaway for yeah, sure. That was like, uh, well, not anymore. She can we can kill those eggs or cook them or whatever the hell you do with no, them because now. But man, like, she saved. doesn't know that, right? Yeah. Or if she does, I, I when well, no, she there's... got when when like we cut. From uh, him about to go save her or meet up with her to her and, like, the bases are all built. So I imagine she did that in the same amount of time that it took him to recover and escape. and Not escape, but, you know, leave. Right? I love that he has to do it, like, surreptitiously, too. He's like, I'm going to sneak the fuck out of here. And everyone's yeah. like, dude, we would have just let you have the thing. For sure, like, right? God. 
Yeah, you're like the biggest hero help. in America. We would have loved to have. We would have loved to have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we would have loved to talk to them. We could have gone with you. We could have given you a bigger ship and like another Tars unit. That would have been cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, also, kind of weird. Been, what sixty years? Like we have a whole what? bunch of cooler ships than this. Yeah, the, the, there's been no advancements in the ships. Yeah, that was well, no, you have well, to imagine. Yeah, that like those ships were he, he a similar in design, but like they probably have better life support and make it so it's oh. more viable. I'm sure that, but yeah, like the designs haven't changed in fucking some, 80 like, years. Neon pink and like neon blues or something. I mean, just like like just bought like modular body yeah. like sort of stylings. Oh, see, it, looked, I, it looked identical. I love the design of the of the ships. Yeah, in these, I like it they too. look like E wings from uh, Star Wars. Yeah, I just think they're cool because what a spaceship would look like. You don't need um, wings, and you don't need like uh, what do we call it? Flaps, and or actually, you do need flaps if you're going into the uh, atmospheres and stuff like that. But I just think they're so utilitarian and like. Just streamlined. They look like wedges. Everything's just harsh angles in this, Andy. Where it's like wedges and monolithic looking things, and it all harkens back, in my opinion, to like some of the imagery we see in like those old science fiction movies. It's fucking cool, man. Before- and also, I, I'm always a, a huge fan of different colored spacesuits. So when they get to man's planet and he's got an orange spacesuit, I was yeah. like, that's fucking that's really cool. cool. That's really yeah. cool. And then the new spacesuits in the future are like darker charcoal. I'm like, that's fucking cool. Uh, and they have one- a cool logo. Yeah. One thing that does bother me is the how he relayed the information to her, which is Morse code to a That would take a while. Well, that would take would a, take a while. while. That would take a while, but also time. like how does it work? Like did it's, he it, it, affect it, 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 it the gravity? No, no, I understand that part, but I'm saying <laughs> did he affect the gravity specifically in that hand? Yeah, in the or, second hand. He programmed so he, he programmed it into the second hand movement. Uh, that that just seems crazy to me that like that like the gravity then because it's not that one spot it's it's the gravity of that in, the actual hand yeah i, I mean, feel the, like the, then it's really easy to prove like yeah no go ahead take some sort of readings to tell it like that movement is happening you know because she says and like Kevin, oh and Kevin, what if she didn't what if, what if she didn't start recording it at the right time that's what, what i was, that's like, what I was thinking i was like it, it must, it must loop though right yeah, I assume it does. Yeah. Or you just you record it all, and then you can just figure out what the natural looping point is. But I right. thought that was so cool. What an interesting use of like the seconds hand of a watch, because you could literally magnetize it up, and it would stop and go and go and go. And how you program that into it is so fucking rad. Like their use of like spot gravity into things is just mind bending. It's so cool. It's just so but weird. Does it though. work though? Yeah, it's Why just not? so weird that she's walking around with something that has programmed gravity like rhythm to it, and yeah. that's that's cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, so well, I mean, I mean, theoretically, you could do. That. I mean, if a watch gets magnetized, it'll stop the movement because it's all. So you could do lots of different. I mean, I know magnetism, magnetism and gravity yeah. are the same thing, but I mean, guys, he's also in a five-dimensional tesseract by the end of this. So yeah. the idea of programming it into a watch is, I think, cool. I think it's a, a fun way to get the information across. Without that was to, to me the like, the point that I really was just like, I don't like this explanation to it because all the pushing the books and stuff, gravity, cool, that makes sense. But yeah. the gravity of the watch, I was just like. All right, I buy this just because you're telling me it works, but like, yeah, I don't understand how he cause it to do that in different degrees over time and have it loop and have it stay and all that stuff. I would have just used the gravity to write in the dust on the ground, like, hey, yeah, but you have to. Hey. Hey. You, you <laughs> don't know when she's gonna come read it. More dust would have fallen, you know. Yeah, and also you have to imagine that, like, man, she was there decoding that watch for a while. Well, I mean, Morse code I'm goes sure. by letter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that like there's some system that she could have set up like a fucking camera on it and then just 
Someone oh, no. could have made Kevin, it. She did it by Kevin. hand. She wanted this is what interns are for. This is Talking what to unpaid dad. interns from Cal State San Francisco are for. Yep. Go get a couple of those. Give them some free coffee and be like, you're sitting here until this is done. If not, all of humanity dies. I, I just think that, that like there's I wish the they had thought a little bit more about that because it just to me it sounds so so absolutely like ridiculous that she has this watch that will forever, I assume, keep this yeah. information yeah, it does the message going. over and over again. Yeah, but I like, like I mean, but yeah, I think it's cool. I think it works for me. I mean, but granted, just, the science like there's no absolute definite like uh, explanation for it, which I can understand why Tim wouldn't like that because so much of this is rooted in like, hey, science that you can kind of wrap your head around. Um, but I just think that they found a cool way, especially since he has that same watch and they have that moment where he's like, let's time our watches together and we'll see how whatever how far off they are when i get back um yeah. and then that's no, the, the one yeah, thing that, that she cool. remembers to like oh that's the thing she'll remember and she'll look at it and she'll look at the second and she'll be able to figure it out because how do you communicate with someone across you know interdimensions like that but uh also, so just to try to think of the logic at one point he draws the coordinates right in binary for the nasa on the dust uh, on the dust mm -hmm. so that yeah. dust will it always have altered gravity yeah, I think so. Or will that spot always have altered gravity? I think it's just like that the spot wood. would always have it. Like if you threw dust on it, it would It'll the, always the dust would weird. go into the yeah. And if you threw a quarter on it, it would always have that weird like programmed, like it, you could program the gravity into the three dimensional space of the thing, and that's always mm -hmm. going to be with that thing. So to me, it was always like it's not about programming the watch; it's about programming the gravity around the watch to do certain things that will interact with the mechanical nature of the watch to allow it to do that one thing, and it's stuck. To that point in space time forever, no matter where that point goes. Does Man, that make sense? Me, yeah. So, like to me, it's like it's totally possible if you can if you can if you can fuck with gravity on anything and you can do that interdimensionally through space and time. Like you could program anything to do anything really, because gravity is the most powerful force like that we really don't understand. But Fun fact, we know it's the of. weakest, one of the weakest force. Is it? Yeah, I mean, like fundamentally how it works, but it is like uh, on the large scale becomes insanely powerful, breaking. Yeah, you know. Uh, wait, but so wait, one, if the wait, gravity is affecting not the dust, but the space the dust inhabits, so it's stopping the dust from going you're into asking, space. You're going to ask a question. I do not know the answer to. But let's go down this road. <laughs> let's go down this road <laughs> together, Tim. <laughs> but yeah. just, do you see where I'm going with this? Like, why does no. it now stick to the physical watch, but right, it's that space that the dust yep. is in? So that's it would make sense it. if the watch had to stay where it was. Who knows? Maybe you take that board Which out and cool. you take that floor out and it goes with the board. I don't know. Well, right. That That's what I was trying to ask with uh, when I brought up the, the sand because it's like, yeah, is it I with know. the board? Like that That is wonky. That and I wish there was a better way they could translate this information, even if it was him sitting there. Because I, I think that they have a pretty easy system with the bookshelves and the fact that it's stacked. So knock some out. And you know, you just do Morse code that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, that you, was, he does would stay, right? Sure, you imagine that's what they wanted to do, but then at a certain point, you're like, God, that's not going to be visually fun. She needs to be sitting. We need to see yeah. her sitting in her lab reading the fucking thing, so that the audience gets a visual touchstone of like she's figuring out the equation. Like, sure, we have the moment where she erases. But she could have just been sitting and there, starts looking at it, and starts writing shit on the board. She could have You just need there. that for the audience. You know what I mean? Like she could have been sitting in her her childhood bed, just sitting there taking notes as these books magically keep yeah. fucking falling. Yeah, but it, I would I would be a hundred percent there, except for the fucking fact that her brother has apparently turned into an axe murderer and it is willing to kill his whole <laughs> family. Yeah. What a fucking wait! What oh, a turn oh, to that poor kid. Of Jesse really set him poor, off. All right, poor Jesse's dying of the plague.
Dude, Dude that's, a, that's I, another I, thing, though, is that when we first started watching this last night and it, we're getting introduced to the whole idea of where the world's at and the dust and all this shit, and, like, we see the dust kind of coming up and it's, like, this physical presence, I was like, how far off are we from Corona taking a physical presence? And, like, this is so fucking scary and the way I'm people are acting. And it's like, you see Timothy Shallow or not Timothy Shallow, man, freaking... Um, uh, Casey Affleck. Timothy, yeah, Casey Affleck and, like, how his character turns out. And I'm like, fuck, those people exist right now. That's really scary. I don't like. It's, I don't like this topic you're bringing up. I mean, it'd be really. <laughs> Instead, yeah, let me let me just pivot really quick to like a moment that I I wanted to get to. Can you imagine? She's just come after lighting a fire to steal his family away, mm-hmm. right? And he's coming back. He probably doesn't know that she lit the fire, but he's gonna get there and notice that like after they just got this fight, she's trying to steal his family, and she's gonna run out and be like. Oh, she did. Hug we him? see it. Yeah. Uh, there's what a message. What the fuck was this? Scene? Me- look at look at the arm hand. Look at I how really... it's moving. It's a message. It's Morris code. I really like, you're right. Smack the, the fucking watch out of, of her hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Crazy Murph. <laughs> yeah. He that yeah. I mean, again, there's not there's some in- inconsistencies that I I wish weren't like that. I think they could have just ended it with like I don't the, know some the other message way, getting but, out. But, I think that would have been enough. To, just I think to, like, I think her hugging him and him having that realization. I think the scene could have been done a little bit better. Because I think he is not a bad person. I think he's just depressed and beaten down by all that, yeah. all the, the horrors, the, the world in life, including losing a kid and realizing that. Because she's like, "We got to go. We got to go." He's like, "Where the fuck are we gonna go? We're gonna die underground. Yeah. Like, at least I want to die on my farm." And I think they do a decent enough job, kind of painting why he's in that mental state. Mm. Um, but it's like it's sad. Like he's lost a kid. His dad left him. He doesn't have a, a great relationship. He's he's working on this farm, and he knows he keeps the, he talks about how the other farmers crops are dying and corn's dying and he knows that it's all just for nothing it's all he's also him him being like we'll make it up using the other guy's farm and it's like what happened to the other guy yeah he's like well yeah also topher deserved to get punched there like oh my god him walking in his house would be like he needs to leave now yeah there's like be less rude about it i want to knock it out under no he's like let me be a hundred percent like i'm like dude you're talking down to me axe murder yeah eric foreman Hey, I have a question though. Uh, signs with him a question for the for the for the authorities was so the the station that Jessica Chastain NASA is right mm-hmm. is that Cooper Station? Did they launch that thing into space using gravity? Oh. I always well, I, so they say yes. that because there's uh, the little hatches built into the side of it, like yeah. it would be a cylindrical space. Well, he station says right there's on. the there's the scene where he's like it's a centrifuge planet, yeah. Right? Which would be which would create gravity in space, right? Right. Or artificial gravity. It's not, it doesn't create gravity. It creates the the G force that would that would simulate gravity in space. Right. But I but when they get to Cooper Station, I always want them like so because the whole point of this film is that they have to figure out how gravity works so they can get everyone off the planet. Yes. Because you can't launch a bi- six billion people into the space into space. It would just take right. thousands and thousands. Well, of years. It would just work. they they make it clear that there's significantly less people than there was was. Well, but even then, it's like by yeah. the time we get to half the population off the earth, the other yeah. half is dead. They're right. all dead because there's no food left here. So, we have to be able to go find an environment. So, something I hadn't heard in any of my other viewings, uh, and I don't know how because it's very like in your face, is that like she's coming from a different station, the Murph, mm-hmm. old Murph. So Yeah, she was two years. It takes her two Murph. years to get from one station to the other, and she's like in cryogenic sleep. Right. Um, so... Uh, I think that well, I think it takes a couple of weeks. They said, but it doesn't matter. Oh, it was, maybe it was yeah. weeks. But I love that he was like he was like we told her not to go because a person of her advanced right, age, right, 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 shouldn't like, be. It wouldn't work. But there's no you know telling. Yeah. Like this is Cooper. Murphy Cooper we're talking about. 
I love uh, that. But then again, she only has like, I mean, come on. She, she gets there and it's like, oh, the, you know, luckily I got wanted, here man. on my last day to live. I don't want to talk to you, Matthew McConaughey. She was hanging Girl, on. I, she was I hanging had to read on that, your dad one more time. I, yeah, I had to read that she was in sleep because they knew that they had him or whatever and they were going to go get him. And she was she put to, to sleep. No, I, I, to think yeah. him. I think I it was. I think it was. I think it was more that uh, so she didn't die in she transit. She believed that he would still be coming, and that's why she put herself in sleep to extend whatever years she had left because mm. her dad was going to come back. Which yeah, dad, that was possible. a good line. That was a good little moment. Which is why, which is why, again, I sort of forget that last scene where I'm like, I, I always when I first saw it, I was like, these are her last moments. And that she's like, you shouldn't. She has that moment. Where she's like, I, like I'm going to die. A father should not. A parent should not have to watch their child die. Just go. Like, don't be there. Then the second time I watched it, I was like, I'm pretty sure she's got at least a day left or two. Yeah. And the third time I was like, Nah, she's going back. She's going back like 20 seconds later. Yeah. Tell Who me about your kids, kids and grandkids. Who are these kids? They're my. They're my great great grandkids. I don't know. <laughs> what happened to my, What happened to your brother? I know we were never friends. <laughs> I didn't yeah. like him as much as I liked you because he wanted to be a dumb hayseed. But whatever happened to him? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. But a daughter, um, a, do- a father should never have to watch her daughter die. So it's your time now, Coop. Bam, stabs him in the throat, dude. <laughs> Fuck you. That's for leaving. Me. Yeah. I knew you would fucking leave I me. I never went to therapy. <laughs> Fuck this ass. Axe murderer comes in. I've been alive the whole time. Fucking. Jesus Christ. Right. So uh, um, MVP yeah. for sure, Tars, right? I would think so. Yeah. Just for Miller. I mean, we haven't even we haven't even talked about Miller's planet yet. Fuck Miller's that planet. Is that like it's terrifying. Up. Then one guy just gets sweeped away. Is your MVP Miller's planet? <laughs> no. <laughs> but like the, the, the science of Miller's planet, Kev, is that this the as the planet rotates, the black hole is sucking the water in a big way, right? Yeah, I mean it's, how, it's it's it must be like affecting a, the gravity like similar like tidal yeah. effect, yeah. Which thirty percent of yeah, which fine. is the sun. It's not just the moon affecting the tidal. Oh right! Yeah. I just thought I thought because it was yeah, so Sean close Finney. to the black hole, it was like Thank sucking you. it. It was sucking the water out. <laughs> yeah, I, I assume that it's creating yeah. some sort of effect that that is moving it all and like you hyper. Would that, you would think that like before you landed on that planet, you would you like could fly see, around right? it a little bit. Be like, this looks like but it's I got guess, massive tsunamis. But, dude, and but here's the thing, Nick. They don't have the time. They no, don't no, have time. Andy, like that's that's actually a really good point because when they're at the space station. Everything is moving super slowly. So when you see a giant, giant wave that looks like a mountain, that's what you think it is, right? A mountain. Right. Like they, yeah, they can't tell that it's water because it's not moving. So by the time they, they land and they're like, where's, where's the mountains? What a scene. Too that late. But so also they, ta- a- they talk about how they're like, how long has she been here for? How long has Miller been here for? And there's some line where hours. Like, not that long. Yeah. Like a couple of yeah. hours. She just yeah. died like two hours ago. You're like, oh. <gasps> Get off this planet! This yeah, planet. dude. This, <laughs> this is one Greg. of those like, this is one of those movie magic spectacle moments that you want to show anybody who maybe isn't necessarily, you know, or doesn't have like an HD TV or something. It's like this is the this is one of the scenes that you show them because it's just so it's so terrifying. And, and I lo- again, I love that line of of oh, it, well, let's walk towards the mountains. Like oh, it's our mountains. It's like, our mountain. Yeah, it's just so perfect, dude. And then. The you think the wave's gonna end and it just keeps panning up. <laughs> like yeah. the camera just keeps going up and it's just like way the fuck up there. It's horrifying, man. Dude, it's... and even just like all the talk of the 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 time of the planet and stuff, and they're just like, wait, like why is the wreckage still here? They're like, she must have died Minute. hours ago, maybe yeah. minutes. Yeah. And it's just yeah. like, oh fuck. Yeah. God, that's crazy. So cool. Before we and get out of it, with some, uh... up, before we get out of it, I want to give a shout out to the baseball scene. When they go to see the New York Yankees, Yankees. play in like the most the minor world league famous. ballpark, yeah, exactly. Mm. 
And then you have that thing where John Lithgow, like, who are these bums? <laughs> they had real ball players when I was growing up. And yeah. was like, we were too busy fighting over food. Like, this and is fucking, wants, that's a cool a piece of storytelling in terms mm-hmm. of what the world's actually like. Well, I also love the follow up like, shot at, at the end when they're on the space station and yeah, they're playing baseball and it like hits up into the Elysium ass shit. Cool as hell. Oh, I know. Seven syllables in the middle. You'll need five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't need to rhyme. Haiku in review. Haiku in review. You can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your review in haiku form, just like Cass Kolk did. The earth is dusty. So all right, all right, all right. We're going to space. Lee Valero says, it's epic, but it's not enjoyable. Ambitious, yet flawed. Brian Smith says, let us fly to space. We can save the human race. Keep her safe now, Case. Oh, I like that. Thanks for Ryan. Let's see. I, I almost don't even want to read this one, but I'm going to, Nick. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Andrew Feisner says, old man looking old. Okay. 124. It's mm-hmm. Nick Scarpino. Yeah. Hey, man, tell me there one thing is. right now. If I, if I ever look as good as Matt McConaughey looks anytime he's on screen, I'll be happy with that. He has that, like, saddled look where he's, like, a little weathered, Greg, but he's still good looking, like, distinguished Oh, he looking. looks great. Are you kidding me? Oh, great. He's great looking. Ragu goo goo. I forgot this goo goo what's up everyone welcome to rad guys talk good guys here in the Nolan universe I'm your host Nick Scarpino uh the current rankings are number one Batman and Wolverine from Prestige number two Cobb Salad from Inception number three Lenny from Memento number four from Insomnia and number five the very very young boy from following (laughs) (laughs) every time he gets younger Next week, he's going to be an embryo from this uh, movie. <laughs> he's going to be sperm. Uh, I think, uh, where where do you want to put Cooper uh, from Interstellar? I feel like this is the easiest number one spot where this guy isn't like a monster that's trying to get revenge or like murder someone or creepy stalk people. He's just really has a sense for exploration and uh, wants to make the world better for his uh, kids. I agree. I agree, Kevin. I put him number one. Uh, uh I mean, he just went through so much. He went through so much adversity, and he lined up his ship with a rotating space Ooh, station. Sure. Yeah, and Even the computer and, and, couldn't and do didn't that. pass out. And, and Hathaway passed out. Passed I was like, "Coop, you stay alive, Coop." And he's just like leaning, like, oh, "Come on, Case or Tars." I forgot who he's <laughs> yeah, talking Tars, to. Tars. Tars. I'm in weird space, Murph. I'm in the weird space. It's just <laughs> awesome, dude. Number one with a bullet. Come on, he's great. Matthew go. McConaughey acts the hell out of this role. Beautiful. Yeah, he's number one. Okay. Easily. The current rankings are the new rankings are all right, all right, all right from Interstellar. Batman and Wolverine from Prestige, number two, number three, Cobb Salad, number four, Lenny uh, from Memento, number five, Hua from Insomnia, and number six, the Zygote from the following. Thank you. <laughs> Damn. Uh, now it's time to rank the Christopher Nolan movies. Currently, number one, Inception, number two, The Prestige, number three, Memento, number four, following, number five, Insomnia. Like I said earlier, I put this at at number two right behind Inception, and uh, I've explained why throughout this. But I think the biggest reason is while Inception kind of had so much exposition throughout it, uh, an insane amount, it was explaining stuff that like was creative and really cool, whereas this movie had the exposition for science stuff, and then at the end of it tried to have a really cool thing, and all it was to me was just exposition that buttons everything up so nicely that it kind of makes it not fascinating anymore. And also, I feel like there's just inconsistencies in its theme and its main characters, specifically at the end. 
man. See, I I disagree a hundred percent. This for me is my by far number one, um, and I think it's because all the things I didn't like about Inception, this is this this solves in that there isn't like I don't love the ending of Inception. I don't like that. It's open for interpretation because that's supposed to be quite quasi deep in this. I think he I think this is like his opus, honestly. I think it's as good of a movie as a filmmaker can make. And I think it obviously plays into my love of science fiction. I think a lot of the stuff being rooted in reality makes me, you know, it, it does what I think all good space travel movies should do. It, like inspires me. It makes me want to learn more about these things that I will never understand because, you know, I went to freaking film studies school. Um, I think uh, on on a level where Inception is entertaining, I think this movie moves me on on such a deep level it makes me feel it makes me cry it makes me reach out and want to grab my wife's hand it makes me like it reminds me that like human humanity is the most important thing and our relationships are the most important thing and where we should be willing to risk everything for that and not only that like matthew mcconaughey's performance in this is like the best he's literally ever been and watching him i know the scenes are coming these wonderful gut-wrenching scenes i know and i prepare for them and i wind up crying Every single time at these moments in these movies because of Matthew McConaughey and how it's all set up. And and I just think this movie just just evokes so many more emotions than anything else Christopher Nolan has done prior to that. Um, and I think it just works on such a deep level for me. There's no possible way to say it better than what Nick just said. I say it's number one. Yeah, I I, uh, I put it number two. I agree with Tim. Um I, I mean, I still agree with everything Nick said. It, it's crazy. Like I think no, you clearly reason- didn't actually. You clearly I, I didn't told, agree with. I him. Told, uh, big part I told Tim, you disagreed with. I told Tim last night that we are getting into MCU territory, <laughs> where these movies are all just so close to me and so damn good. And I could I could argue on any day that I like the Prestige more than than this movie or Inception and vice versa. Um, but the I enjoy everything practical uh, about this movie until we start getting into the like the the twist was satisfying but I still I still feel like it's a little too ridiculous and and goofy at times <laughs> even though I think yeah I think I, I think I you guys really, just really don't enjoy yeah. you're not reacting well to the fact that he actually committed to there being an ending I think you guys just like the ambiguity of some of the other movies That's not it at all No I don't think like, I don't for me think for me and Interstellar I was like god damn I don't like the ending of this I really don't Inception. like that everything's open for the Inception excuse me not Interstellar I just I I just like that this to me is a little bit more straightforward and there is a little bit of a twist at the end but the twist to me is gratifying mm-hmm. whereas the other movies he's always made a twist and you're like okay well there's that um, and I just I, I, I think that Interstellar does or uh, Inception does such a worse job at, at coming up with the science of why all this stuff would work. Yeah. To me, it just kind of comes out as mumbo jumbo at, the, at a certain point where I'm like, all right, well, great. We don't you know, I, well, I talk well, about that. Yeah, a lot, I, I, I feel possibly. like Inception doesn't like go into the science. They're just like, hey, this there is no science. Yeah. It's not there, science. Uh, There's no I mean, science. It's all, it's, all, it's all from his brain, which is really cool. <laughs> sure, but like, but but, like this, but this, making this, a compelling this... story out of reality to me is so much more mm-hmm. powerful because all of this stuff theoretically could happen and to me that 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 serves to really heighten the tension of all this because especially as we're going through a global pandemic right now and the and and we have elon musk and and all these other uh companies trying to figure out how to get to mars like all this shit is so it's so relevant even more so today and the movie was made five years ago six years ago i i really think that uh obviously i this is my number one and um i really think that it does something like the more you sit down and want to break apart the the third act, like you you can, but like you have to remember that like it's it's still a film, like you know, like yeah, that's true. Th- it's it did so much with 
stuff that like makes sense and like the the first two thirds are like whoa this shit like seems like this is real science like that all of this can happen and it's it's not till the 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 last third where it kind of starts breaking and like you you get the story like the the movie magic of it comes in to be like hey these things are all like this is how we're going to tie it all together and it's like you can choose to break that apart and like like we just did there's a lot of things that we can sit here and laugh and point at but at the end of the day like as a film like the story i think is great and i it it's a super memorable one that is looks beautiful this movie just to me has and everything and is not only my number one on this list it's super high on my like lists of like great movies yeah i think it's also just because i'm such a big sci-fi fan as well and uh and every one of those moments on screen, it's like you just want to rewatch them and rewatch yeah. them because they're just so they're so beautiful. And like uh, cinematography wise and the I, I've always like had this affinity, just like my dad is of like the little tiny ship just amongst a, 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 a sea of nothing, I think is always uh, incredible. Also, I, I don't know. I. Tomorrow I might like this movie more than Inception, but I, I, like, I don't like back. It. I feel like, I feel like you're trolling out, us. I feel like yeah, Greg is trolling out. us. He keeps going like this. I couldn't agree more with you guys. What you guys are saying, I, I love everything agree. about this movie. Number two. Number These two. movies are both like I agree with Andy. Like they're both so good. And they both they have very, immense very flaws, <laughs> and they both have immense uh, accomplishments. But I, I mean, I just think that that like the flaws are not rooted in. Well, I mean, th- there's. They get to the point where it's so opinion based, where it's like you don't like the the whole love thing, and like that's not I, my biggest problem. My biggest well, the, problem is the once the reality breaks and then it becomes theory, then it's just like the way the theory that they go with well, to me is not. By the way, all of this is theory. entertaining. Like, none and of it's this weird. Stuff is and stuff it, that we're actually able it's to not do. even just the end of the movie. It's like the end of the movie that affects the whole movie of how they got there every single yeah, step of the like, way. I think any but inconsistencies I mean, like, you're yeah. seeing is by, is by nature of it having to be a film. Like if this were if this yeah. could have been six more Which hours, we're reviewing. I've done it, of course. But but I think if you if you really want to start picking apart like uh, inconsistencies, it's not. To me, it's just it's it's more in the fact that they wanted to wrap this up a little earlier than Inception, where Inception you start you start asking questions. You're like, none of this makes sense, and I I you I guess you can chalk that up to him being like, yeah, it's all up into interpretation. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, I don't understand the rules of this, and we keep changing them, and I feel like it's a lot more flawed than anything. I don't I don't see Interstellar being flawed at all. I think I th- I think there are some scenes that could have been a little bit more fleshed out, but. I think that inter- Inception to me, watching it back a, a third time, I was like, "This movie's not getting me. I'm not. I have no touchstone to this. It's not evoking any emotion other than confusion and kind of and like some hype moments and some boredom." Whereas Interstellar, I'm like, "This is powerful, and it's powerful mm-hmm. because you have a director and a team who have evolved to the point where they really understand how to use this medium in in such a deep way that just even those things Andy's talking about, those moments, those perfectly composed scenes where you feel so." alone because you see this tiny little bit of the speck of humanity amongst the sea of nothingness that in and of itself i'm like give that motherfucker an academy award because that evokes so much emotion on such a non like on such a deep level that's not words it's just you know a visual in your brain and 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 you you get it it's oh god it's so beautifully done i'm with kevin this is one of my all-time like top favorite movies yeah i i really just feel like the way they tied it all together with this like multi-dimensional aliens or whatever it was or us but you know it's they're not human anymore so that doesn't matter um being the cause that like that all they have to do is plant the wormhole right and like how that all creates this loop where 
Matthew McConaughey is giving himself the message and understands that he has to do that. I think that like that all ties things together so beautifully and like it, it's unrealistic but like who knows? You know what I mean? Like there are sound theories, right? To to a lot of this stuff. Well, it's it yeah, it kind of goes in like the I mean again, my brain I I'm not smart enough to understand or comprehend this stuff, but I just watched about a 2 week or 3 weeks ago Arrival and it it plays with the same concept of like there being these beings that are that have that just think in yeah. five they don't think in linear time they're just right. displaced from that and so they don't know how to communicate with people who are moving forward in a linear fashion and that movie plays with that paradoxical whatever the bootstrap theory is as well where she's like i'm telling myself stuff from the future and i don't know how this is even possible because theoretically in a linear space it shouldn't be possible but it is because you're because those extra two dimensions allow that to be something that happens right because if you're not if you're not tethered by time there is no beginning or an end. So mm-hmm. the end of where the fifth dimensional beings could be is could be the beginning of wherever else. You know, we, we're just because we're seeing it going one way doesn't mean that that's how it is. Maybe they started back there and they're moving backward in time. Who the fuck knows? It's all theoretical, crazy, insane stuff. But it, it's it's so thought provoking and like, stuff that I would literally spend hours talking about. What, what I love so much about Interstellar is like they do a cool job teaching you these things. Like when the, there's the moment where one of the scientists is like, well, no, no, what, like, if for these beings, like, time is a physic could be a physical dimension. So going to the past could be literally walking down the hill and going to the future might be a mountain. That, yeah. Like, they could go and make changes or, you know, affect the, and it's just something like that. It's like It's crazy. It's yeah. The way they boil down the science into a way that, like, makes sense and, like, mm-hmm. them not just making that feel like it's exposition I, 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 I totally but what if we went the exposition there is like I feel like when they say it could be this it could be this then it could be anything and it could be what they show us so yeah, but like, these, yeah these it could be like, well, yeah but, yeah, like, but that's, and that's, they're and that's not, and not their, that's not to say that inter, that that inception it's not possible to go into someone's dream state and invade their brain that that is that is something that's possible it's that just, wasn't the point of that movie though I feel like the point of this is no that but so much but so much of the movie is predicated on that science yeah like like that's tesseract like that sorry that's that's set up so that when we get to the Tesseract, we can be like, oh, somehow they figured out how to make this weird dimension that has all this time crushed together, compacted there, that someone from the third dimension could move around in and translate him. a message. Yeah, I mean, Tim, to your point, yeah, I'm all, I'll, like the Inception stuff, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to get, I don't want to get into the weeds too much, but yeah, it's, I mean, that's. It is rooted in some science. It's possible, but to me, I think they do. They, they, it's just more believable because of all the stuff that I, me, and Kevin have read about space travel and gravity and things like that. I mean, I'm sure if you studied dreams, you'd be like, no. I mean, I'm, not saying it's po- I'm not saying it's possible. I'm not saying it's possible. You're, you're not listening to what I'm saying at all. It's, it's fine. Sorry, I'm, uh, well, then, I'm sorry. Say your point because I thought you just said it's possible in both worlds. No, that's not. Is that what you said? I said the opposite. Well, what, did you, what did you say? I'm I was saying the point of in, in, like Inception is not that it's possible. Like the point of Inception was them coming up with cool concepts and rules to follow to make a cool creative thing. Whereas the point sure. of this movie was trying to follow through a sci-fi thing of things that could actually happen. Which, why to me, it is where it breaks. No, I don't think like that. I think it was to ground it in things that could possibly happen and tell a narrative story and then make you wonder what else we don't understand, which is why the love theme comes in. I think that, to me, that's where Inception does fail is that it's not it doesn't seem rooted enough in reality to actually sell the narrative to me where I'm, where they do keep having to come up with these rules and the rules are like a fucking, you know, there's a rule book so thick that has to go along with inception. Whereas this one I'm like, and granted again, this is because this happens to be something that I have a, a little bit of an interest in. So they don't have to explain it. to me when they start explaining gravity to me, I'm like, I kind of have a touchstone for that. So we don't, 
I don't feel the need to have that explained to me. But I also think there's a lot of stuff in Interstellar they don't bother explaining. They don't bother explaining what caused the blight or what what's happening. They just go, hey, this is what this is where this is at. We got to get out of here. And that's good enough where they could have gone into like the concept of global warming and we fucking ruined the world. And this is what we did. We can't or you know. even like over farming causing. Yeah. Like a, whatever erosion that causes the, you know, the idea of why like a, a perfect example of that is like, whoa, wait a minute. You just introduced a really big theme here where you said we've rewritten history. That could be a whole movie all to its own. But he's like, fuck you. And he uses that. He uses that great narrative device to talk to to introduce just for one second what happened to the mother. That's the only reference we really get to, like, what happened to, to Murph's, you know, to his wife and to Murph's mother, where he's like, that science, one of the things they discovered on those missions was a thing called an MRI machine, which if we fucking still had today would have caught the cyst in my wife's, like, brain and would have fucking saved her life. And it's like, all, all those little, all those moments are like, those could have been movies all to themselves, but they're not, because we don't need to necessarily explain that stuff. We kind of have to Nolan's good, man. He's good at this shit. Put this shit at number two. Number one, number one, I guess. Where are you going, Andy? All right. Number one. Number one's Interstellar. Let's number two's Inception. Number three's Prestige. Number four, Memento. Number five, Following. And number six, Insomnia. Next week, uh, we're closing out the current run of Nolan movies with Dunkirk. Uh, one that I haven't seen yet. Yeah, the only one I haven't seen. Very oh, excited. It's very, less it's than two very hours long. It's a very different Nolan film. I'm yeah, excited. Don't expect any. Don't expect anything like anything. <laughs> there, there is still a test rack. <laughs> Though, so that's important. Oh shit! Oh. Yeah, that hype for the it's test rack. The glasses added so much and so little at the same time. <laughs> but he put his glasses on before he did the yep. shield. Uh, Look at his glasses, though. Give us a little peek, Greg. Come on, give us a little peek. Until next no, week. The ammonia, Greg. The ammonia. Don't do it. Love you guys. Bye. <laughs>